All right, we are live. So, yeah, this is uh, kind of just trying to keep it chill for this, just normal conversation. So, yeah, I know I don't I mean, I really don't know your whole story, but I know quite a bit of it. But just for the sake of the podcast and listeners and stuff, let's kind of open up with that. Like, what's your story? A story. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, oh, man. Uh, I don't even know where to start. I'm just a bo- I'm boring. I'm a boring ass dude, man. I uh I had kids, and then I got into the workforce back in 20, whatever, and I did the the corporate world up until what COVID happened, and I and I was just selling out, man. I was selling. I cut my hair. I sold out. I stopped really playing guitar and focused on work, work, work. And then COVID happened, and then I I got this this really good job offer, and then they at the last second they snatched it from under me. And I was like, what the fuck? And it was because of politics, you know, mm-hmm. just because I didn't know somebody didn't know me. So uh, they rescinded the offer and I had to kind of beg for my job back. And it was really it was humiliating to the I, I, can't, I can't tell you how humiliating that was. So I was like, you know, a nine to five in a corporate job. They, at the end of the day, they don't care about you. They really don't care. They, they try to have these surveys and this bullshit about culture and inclusion. And it's, it's all just fucking bullshit so that they can comply with their, their policies. So right. I like, fuck that. Uh, let me start my own thing. So I started with the music. I started with just going out, going, uh, taking my guitar and going to open mics. That's why I ran to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I noticed that the, the scene was saturated with guitarists, you know, aspiring guitarists. So I was like, you know, there's no bass players out here. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, let me fucking play bass. So all of a sudden, I was in demand. You know, I heard the difference between a bass player and a guitar player is a gig. And yeah. I had no shortage <laughs> yeah. of gigs. And then uh, I, I was following you, man. I really was really inspired. And uh, I was making music. I saw that you were just making all kinds of music. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my kind of music. So everyone complained that my kind of music sounded like video game music. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, fuck. Let me just lean into that. So. I started making, uh, I got laid off from my job at that time. And then uh, I was just making some some songs. Then I had a, an idea. All these songs kind of had a, a mood. And I was like, okay, this is a story. So I started envisioning a story. And then I was like, this is a this is a lot of story. So I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to write a book. And then uh, to go along with this, the music. And that's when I decided, you know, who's the best storyteller that I know? Because I, I'm not a good writer. I can't stay focused on anything. So I reached out to you uh, because I love the way you tell, you know, stories with your music like uh what's not the grave digger but the you can't kill a man that's already dead right like oh my god those lyrics man in your songs man i'm like what the fuck this guy can tell a story and uh, you know i follow you on linkedin and Mm -hmm. i love reading your stories about self-discovery and self-improvement so i was really inspired and um yeah just trying to just try new things i'm fucking 40 years old man so i was like i gotta i gotta start living uh because i know guys that get you know, do the, the corporate dream and get married and have the kids and shit like that. But then 56, everything falls apart Losing and they it. don't have anything. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, I'm just going to be a manager at Best Buy. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I, I wanted a little more. Um, and that because of my circle, you know, people like you who are doing different things just really motivate me and show me that there is more that you can do um, besides fucking nine to fives. Yeah, I think, um, uh... It all starts with getting out there. You know, once you get out into the creative zone and you start interacting with 
other people who like none of us know what the fuck we're doing we're all like super lost out there trying especially like <laughs> you know being musicians and stuff like you know open yeah. mics we're all just trying we're trying to do find something that seem that seems to make all this shit worth it you know and so yeah, yeah. i was out there you know playing those open mics trying to you were killing it looking for something to latch on to and uh but what happened to me is like i met you i met matt and stuff like that and then just like you guys talk about me inspiring you like you guys started inspiring me and i guess it goes back to that cliche like you are who you're surround who you surround yourself with yeah. um and i found that spending more time around creative people i mean, it really filled me with more creative energy and more like more spark and it's kind of kind of like what we were talking about right before we hit record like uh everybody's got to have something i think something and i talk about this with my mom a lot too that create like that creativity like it's in us you know i think it's an ancestral thing i think yeah. it's like to survive in like the world of like a fucking caveman you know you had to be creative to take oh yeah you know, to come up with tools to come up with shelter yeah uh, and then you know even i think creativity, that, yeah creativity is what separates mankind from you know the, the other man other creatures other mammals mm -hmm. and creatures in the world because you know it's our creativity creativity and our inventiveness and i think it's it's an urge to be creative, man. Like we can't just, we're, we're not, I, don't, I think we have to be. And I don't think, you know, having a day job, that's a construct, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a lot, if you think about it, a lot of these jobs are just constructs just to keep you busy, you know, to stop you kind of from being creative, you know. I think that's exactly what happens. It's funny. I'm um, my buddy, Chris, who I think you've met him before, but he got me a book from like a, a World War II philosopher. It was a mm -hmm. French woman. And uh, she got involved with like the early labor movement. And uh, that's pretty much what she found was like, she left the academic environment specifically to go get a factory job to find out what it was like to be a productive what, we, what we would call now an essential <laughs> worker. Yeah. And she was like, I've never been so degraded. I've never been like... And she said from the outside looking in, she knew that it was miserable, like a miserable existence, but actually being in it, she was like, to even like think became too much for me. Like I was so exhausted, so humiliated <sighs> that if I allowed my, if I even tried to allow myself to think it was like too painful to, to, to be creative, to, to even be thoughtful. And uh, I'm 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 butchering what she said, but it was really fascinating yeah. because I've found pretty much exactly that. You know, I've spent my life working in restaurants, working yeah. in, in grocery stores and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, they yeah. had it. If you worked in the food industry, you know what that that every I feel like every restaurant people don't realize it. It's a own it's its own universe within itself, a microcosm yeah. of drama, and just you know, you go into a Denny's. There's there's so much happening behind the scenes. Oh yeah, there's a every single Denny's Waffle House going down in the kitchen. <laughs> there's a, it's because it's is 
it's really interesting. I think everyone should really work a job in the food industry uh, because it's different than a corporate gig. Oh, and absolutely. A, yeah. Corporate gig, you know, you know, it's about politics and there are rules yeah. and it's very, you know, rigid. But uh, in a food industry, it's, it's almost like being a pirate, man. <laughs> it really is. It's like the law of the jungle. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember having pretty much that exact revelation because I had spent years you know, working in restaurants, working in retail and stuff. And then I did, I got a corporate gig back in like 2018 yeah. and I was working as a supply chain analyst in this office. And I was like, I don't know how to navigate this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cause literally, you know, in, in one of the restaurants that I used to work for in Tampa, like I would literally have my coworkers like getting up in my face and threatening me like physically it, it got real and like that's the shit you deal with in those environments and then that same kind of mentality i think kind of permeates even office culture that same like everyone's out there trying to take and hustle oh and, yeah and, but it's but still more it, passive yeah it, exactly and i did not know how to navigate that shit and i got fucking played bro <laughs> like i said when um when i when I had to ask for my job back. And I, when I say that was the most humiliating um, experience of my life, mm -hmm. you know, cause I, I did, I did the things I got this job and I put in my two weeks, you know, doing the right thing. And then last second, the last week they were like, Oh yeah, by the way, we you know we're going to rescind the offer. I was right. like, but I put in my two weeks at my, at my job. And they're like, well, <laughs> ask for it back. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. And the thing was I had burned my, not even say I burned my bridges. I was just associated with the wrong people during right. a uh, transition of leadership. So well, the higher up you go, you, you don't realize it, but it's, it's just more about nepotism. It's about, it's about, mm -hmm. it's like, it goes back to kind of like school, you know, where you have these cliques, you know, Oh, these are the seniors. These are the juniors. These are the, so the, the seniors, they, you know, by default, they're better people than the freshmen. You right. know, I don't know who established that law, but, that's just the way it is with leadership. Like we're senior, so we're better than you. So don't don't talk, don't really talk to me because I'm a better person than you because of the job title, right? And I, it, that just that always just rubbed me the wrong way, and it filled me with so much animosity. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's you see a lot of rage kind of come out of people. And especially like you know working class people or you know people middle class people a lot too yeah. um uh, you see it's like karens you know blowing up on people in the grocery store uh or wh whoever a karen would be married to like a steve or something you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i was talking about this with an, with another guy recently and like i feel like you see because it, it's kind of a thing it's control uh, yeah. the, the law of the jungle i mean the, the human existence is essentially just we navigate around a, a world in which we really have very little control and then i think especially the middle class yeah um it's like you work your ass off to get there you know follow all the rules do all the stuff you're supposed to uh you finally feel like you maybe accomplished something of course, people are still beating you down and stuff, but only to end up in this environment where you almost have less control 
than you did when you were like working in the restaurant. And I mean, I've definitely found that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that loss of autonomy, total loss of aut- autonomy and over time, kind of your identity, you kind of just yeah. forget who and what you even are. You just have to shut it all off if yeah. you want to make it in that environment. And uh, I think that that kind of just, it, it compounds, it kind of festers, you know, it gets oh, yeah. buried yes. in there. And so then these kind of people who, you know, they're in all the memes now, but they get into an environment where, especially with all these like supply chain issues that have come up and stuff. And suddenly like, Oh, you don't have chocolate milk. Like, and they fucking blow up they or they it. blow up on servers and stuff. And I think it yeah. has to do with control because they, occupy a sphere for most of their life and i could be wrong about all of this you know i'm just conjecturing (laughs) but uh and then finally they get in an environment where they have even just a tiny amount of control or authority even if it's (laughs) just over this one server for 30 minutes and all the frustration that they feel at the lack of control that they have in the rest of their life kind of pours out on this person and uh no, that, easy and be, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, it's easy to get mad at people for unloading like that. But at the same time, it's not hard to understand why they do. Oh, yeah. And uh, to piggyback off of that, my posi- I didn't never say what my position was. But part of what I did was I was part of the uh, the grievance. I was a grievance officer. So I listened to folks complain. And mm. I kind of, I was assigned that position because of my, uh, just ability to listen to people like because mm-hmm. when folks are upset you know i found that the best way to address it is just to sit i was i would i would um i threw on a coat you know look, look really professional and i would look really concerned i would, I would hit him with this look and <laughs> yeah <I had> notepad, <laughs> and with the notepad i would write down the things that they that they repeated like anything that they repeated i wrote that down so after I, and I wouldn't just let them in. I would just take them away. Like sometimes they, because I work in substance abuse treatment, so a lot of times folks are upset about the treatment that they got or something that happened while they were in treatment. So they would be like throwing a fit, and I'm like, all right, you know, come here. You know, let's go into this room, and I want you to tell me everything. So mm-hmm. you know, we would go into the room, and I would sit them down. All right, you know, start from the beginning. Like, what, what's, what's the issue? And then you know, most, most folks would just know. Oh, this person didn't listen. This person didn't do this thing. This person, I'm like, okay, now I'll write that down. I write down a name, whatever. So after after a while, I let them get everything out, and I'm like, all right. And I would look at everything. I'm like, all right, now I will repeat back every to show them that I listen. I repeat back the things that they repeated the most, and I was like, all right. After that, I would say, what do you want me to do? What can I do to make you, you know, satisfied, make this thing better? Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you know what? that's it i just i just want yeah. to, to fucking listen that's it and i i would like no you know well i'm gonna follow up with you know on these issues that you outlined this this thing right here this thing right here i bring it up with senior leadership and this person you know well follow up you you would you know i would like you know would you like anything you know in follow-up you know just listen and then just ask the person to kind of help you know guide them and to feeling like the issue was resolved and I shit you not, man. I had a hundred percent success rate. Folks went yeah. the fuck away. <laughs> yeah, folks went away. They felt listened to. That's, I mean, that's huge. And I actually, I feel like I encounter kind of the same thing. I mean, I stock shelves right now, and yeah. uh, I'll just be on the water aisle and be out, we'll be out of Coca Cola or something. <laughs> and uh, I'm pissed. 
Yeah. And I think like a lot of these people, like they kind they come in hot, you know, they come at me hot, oh, yeah. you know, they're heated and they're looking for a fight. And then, and then I don't give it to them. I just like tell them, yeah, that's really frustrating. Like, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. You know, and just hear them out and, and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. then the fact that I don't throw the heat back at them, it, it just goes away. And I, I think it's just people, they got to get it out. Yes, and especially it, you, the environment you were in where you've got people throwing this shit at you and you've got no outlet. Like, we got to get it out somehow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that creativity comes in. Oh, yeah. Know, that, that's been a lifesaver, man. That's been a life. Because like I said, the folks that I listened to, I didn't, like you said, I, I understood where they were coming from. So I mm-hmm. never took it personally. What I did take personally was the lack of support from my senior leadership. Because they were some mm-hmm. cocksuckers, but I was like, "All right, my responsibility is to myself." So once I stopped blaming those assholes, because they were just they were just pieces of shit, they were they're t- horrible human beings, and mm-hmm. that was just a fact. So I was like, "All right, well now that I know that, let me just figure out an outlet for myself," and that was the music, the art, the the creativity. I, you know what? Let me stop making my these uh, hippo presentations, putting so much creativity into my presentations, so much right. creativity in, into these spreadsheets, into these mm-hmm. reports. I, I poured my creativity into this bullshit to appease these cocksuckers. I was mm-hmm. like, fuck that. I'm going to use my creativity for fucking art. Absolutely. So that's when I cut myself off. Yeah. No, actually, I, same thing. Like, I've found that this has happened to me a couple of times, especially now that I do the writing. Um, uh, I've discovered that I actually hate freelance writing. I love writing, <laughs> but I hate writing like, like content, like Genesis is different. You know, we're creating yeah. that together. That is a, that, and I yeah. love it. Oh my God. I've never like felt Ew. so, so alive. And I was working on it this morning. Um, but no, when I'm writing like a listicle about like some fucking business software, <laughs> you know and i'm just I'm, you know pouring my my focus yeah my creativity into that then when i want to go do my shit there's nothing left and so it's, it's almost like that out. creativity soured like i used it for the yeah. wrong thing so i didn't get the outlet really i just i yeah. used up the resources that i would have need to actually do something that made me happy and i feel like that's you're on yeah you you but i realized when i was 35 you're, you're, you're what 25 uh i'm 28 now 28 my bad i met you at 25. yeah no, but yeah yeah exactly so <laughs> but yeah. uh but it took me till i was 35 that i realized that every thing that i have is finite everything every resource yeah. that i have my attention my finances my time my my creativity everything is finite like there's there's no infinite to anything man Right. So once once I realized that, you know, it's like, all right, let me spend and invest more wisely. And um, yeah, like like you said, you when you pour so much into a technical paper, you know, mm-hmm. all right, let me go fucking write a song on guitar. Good luck. <laughs> it ain't it ain't gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> you used it all up. It's gone. You yeah. know, <laughs> on this and fucking you, boring ass technical, uh, you know, piece that yeah, hopefully that, someone. Hope maybe yeah. you know if it's for a job, you know I get it. You know we got to work jobs, we got to support ourselves, right. we got to you know. But I've realized that I give just enough. I try to give mm-hmm. 
I want to say the bare minimum, but I used to give 110%. I used to be the first guy at work, yeah. the last guy to leave. And I would make Every sure, day, like, all the time. Yeah, man. But no, 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 no. I give, I don't even give 100%. I give maybe like 90%. You know? Right. <laughs> like, Which right, is still no, more not... than like, oh, yeah. almost anyone else. The average person doesn't want to think, man. Like mm-hmm. they, like you said, it's, it gets painful. It gets, it gets physically painful when you have to think when you're at work and someone asks you to do something that's outside of your scope. And you're like, oh, oh I don't want to <laughs> try to answer this. Uh, this guy knows. Go, go see that guy. Uh, I can't. I forgot my password. Let me just call IT before lockout. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, hard, man. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you gotta. You got to shut that shit off to do the kind these kinds of jobs that we do, and that's the thing. Yeah, where like, then that's the only way you can do the same shit for fucking eight hours, ten hours. You know, I did twelve hours on Christmas Eve. You know, you just got to turn your brain off, basically. Yeah, uh, autopilot. Yeah, and go on, <laughs> and that's what I do. And so I actually find now that since I'm I, especially at work, I spend a lot of time pulling stuff to the front of the shelf or stuff like that stuff that where I can actually check out completely. Yeah. And so then I actually do, like I think about what I want to write about. I think about that kind of stuff because I don't have to be actively engaged with the task that I'm doing. Um, But I like, if I'm doing like data entry or something, (laughs) like I can't check out, like it requires so much attention to detail that, and Oh, my brain i can't do it <laughs> yeah I, I really just can't um but yeah it just it drains <laughs> you and it drains you well for me it, it's about um what i learned is people just like really pretty charts people like really pretty charts so i i give i do lots of data i do lots of i i'm the data guy mm-hmm. um i'm not saying I, I lie but with my data i just give the impression i give ballpark numbers like i don't give you know accurate shit because yeah it was just it would kill you and the more you give a person the more they want <laughs> yeah um and it's coming to stuff like that if you're trying to give people like high level people the data they need to make decisions they're they not gonna crash. yeah they don't, they don't want <laughs> the specific details they don't want to know who's doing what they just they want the they trends don't care. you know yeah. yeah and it does make sense like because of the amount of decisions they have to make you know, by the time yeah. your stuff's rolling across their table, they're probably already burnt out too. Yeah. You know, you're right. And I try to, I try to take that into account. Uh, but I've worked with some very good fucking leaders, man. And a, yeah. and a good leader knows how to delegate. They know how to, they know, they know these things already. They know that, you know, things are, are finite. They know that they aren't the expert on everything in the room. So they got to default to, oh, you're the expert. You know, what do you think? on that all right it's going to influence this idea but when i'm talking about these guys who these who have these insecure these uh inferiority complexes mm-hmm. you know you know you got that one manager who's like you know they're nobody they're, they're no they're fucking nobody but at, at this at the at rest especially in the in the, in the uh, food industry mm-hmm. oh <laughs> so yeah that, that one motherfucking cook who's like the exactly. king like the alpha He's the alpha. And yeah. Like outside <laughs> of work, he's dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely aired nobody in real life, but at the job, they, yeah. they are the king. Exactly. No, I had a dishwasher 
who made everyone call him Top Dog. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he'd freak out if people if people didn't give him like call him Top Dog or didn't like talk to him specifically the way he wanted to be talked to or whatever. Yeah. He ended up getting fired because he started choking a kid, like a 17-year-old kid. You know, just that lack of control that like yeah, but that's like we're we're talking about it's fucking wild out there. Well, but no, I wanna I wanna yeah. really z- zoom in on like on creativity, on music, on yeah. uh like why music? Why music? Uh, I mean, I know everyone loves to say the thing like, I, oh, I love music. I'm like, I've never in my life heard a person say, I hate music. <laughs> right. I've never heard anyone. I'm like, so people think that liking music as a personality sometimes i think that to really love music you got to go a little a lot deeper than just appreciating you know the top 40 or i really like to listen to this playlist at the gym uh, for me i just i love that music can evoke like just emotions like you hear a piece you can hear certain music that could fucking make you cry like mm-hmm. certain violin just they could it just gives you goosebumps you know but it the things can vary from person to person and i love that music can can do that and it it just it's such an ephemeral ephemeral uh, whatever you know yeah ep- ephemeral i think but i don't even know what that means right? <laughs> i just to me making music is like to a chef who likes to cook like the, the different flavors like mm-hmm. when i hear different sounds and just the way they interact together and in, in the way they, they make me feel and uh because you know, I wouldn't be doing this if music hadn't influenced me in some way or another. And um, I think about all the music that's, that's influenced me and just try to make music kind of similar and hope that it, you know, someone else kind of, oh, I, you know, I'm really going through a rough time and this, this song really, really helps me with that. Um, I had a guy, uh, not guy, my, one of my favorite rappers, because I was, I love hip hop for a long time. One of my favorite rappers, he's a teacher, well, he was a teacher named Mega Ran, uh, Random. Uh, but he made a an album about about Final Fantasy VII, so he tells the story of Final Fantasy VII, but as if it was from the perspective of somebody growing up in the hood, you know, and that that was me. He was speaking to me like a person like me because mm-hmm. I'm I'm from the streets, but I'm not street at all. I was a middle class, rare black middle class person, so I couldn't relate to smacking bitches and punching hoes, but I could relate right, to. Easy. Yeah, I can't relate to that shit. Selling <laughs> drugs. I don't, I don't, I, yeah. I can sing the lyrics and pretend, but I can relate to a guy who loves Final Fantasy because I fucking love Final Fantasy. And that album, say, say, I was going through a rough time uh, a decade ago. Um, I don't want to go into the specifics, but I was going through a really rough time, making a lot of, a lot of mistakes. And that album reminded me of who I was mm-hmm. and brought me back. So, just, I mean, just an album. I'm just, songs goofy ass silly ass songs that you heard them you like it would probably mean nothing but to me they were they meant the world i think you really tapped into something important there because i have had a similar experience uh there's music that i have listened to in my life that i feel like it gave me permission to see myself and like and be myself and it, it gave me it made me feel like like i'm not alone in thinking yeah. or feeling this way um and yeah just like to a certain extent 
yeah, I guess, like I said, like almost gave me permission to explore myself, you know, those parts of myself that I kind of buried and hid yeah. from myself. And I think music and not always with lyrics, like sometimes instrumental oh, yeah. music, it, uh, it's almost like a shortcut to the self, like, and it, it sort of peels back layers of, of just bullshit that we bury ourselves in. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's just from a consumer standpoint, from a, from, as a creator, it's, it's an outlet, man. Oh yeah, for sure. So when you're going through that shit and you, you got these, when I, when I, that job that I was talking about that fucking pissed me off and those assholes at work, like they, I was so upset that I, I wrote these lyrics to this song, Consumo Bay. A real Consumo Which Bay. I love, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I was furious, man. And yeah. I haven't had that fire since. And I was like, I can't write a song this good because I, you know, I'm content and pretty much happy right now. Right. But at the time, like, it was the, perfect outlet uh music is, was was the perfect outlet last year when i was laid off it was i was really in a bittersweet moment uh my sister has been gone for 20 years she died um back in 2001 this uh december 12th so last year when i was laid off and i didn't have anything to do i didn't have you know i couldn't zone out at work i sat around i was like fuck and i'm fucking sad <laughs> like, yeah 20 years i'm still grieving and uh i came up with the genesis uh, that's where that came from, just that right. sadness and just remembering. And I was like, fuck, I was like 19 when that happened. Now I'm fucking, I was 39. Right. So <laughs> a whole different person. So I was like, you know what? New person, Genesis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's kind of explore that. Like where, and you don't have to share more than you're comfortable with, but like, how did Genesis come about? <sighs> I love stories. I love. I, I fucking love um, stories that are bittersweet. Uh, not not just sad, but just sad stories that are sad, that you can relate to that can make you smile because it, you know, it's kind of sad. And uh, so that's where I started when I was writing the songs. All the songs had had uh, these titles, and the titles uh, um, are chapters in the book. Um, and those titles just was set the mood for the songs and i was coming up like i said i came up with the titles and then the titles i was like this sounds like a you know why is it called this and then i was like all right this character this happened to this character and that's where what happened and then i kind of worked ass backwards yeah <laughs> in, the, in the story it was like that titles like music then titles and characters and then the story um and then i sat down and in, in, in a kind of like a stephen king kind of way fever fever pitch wrote out all this shit and i was like I, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> so um that's when i sent it to you to kind of connect the dots and right and i out. mean it's been um it's it's been kind of an avenue of self-discovery from for me too and uh i i i, I published an article recently where i talked about like like being like a sculpture and like sculpting your that, past yeah. and your present and stuff like that. And it was, that pretty much came out of working on Genesis and trying to figure out like, cause it's a, you know, it's a, it's a story about recreating yourself by first like reconnecting 
with a part of yourself that you're, you're cut off from essentially by choice. You know, we cut, and it's like you said, I mean, I can't remember what was in the description, but the, um, the story. <laughs> how how like our memories change and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, and that really got me thinking. And I mean, that is real, and I'm sure that's where you pulled that from. But yeah, like we we create our memories, and then w- when we go back and remember them again, you know, we recreate them again. Yeah, and we the more I pondered. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, yeah. The more I pondered on that, the more I was like, we, we can recreate our past from the present you know, with, with perspective, which oh, yeah. we kind of texted about. But that idea of like, and I mean, I've dealt with this all my life, you know, kind of just feeling like, like lost, like a, like a loser, like I have nothing to yeah. offer, you know, I, all I've ever done is like fail and fail and fail, you know, I have nothing to offer. And it's like, that's wild, man. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think that about you at all. <laughs> I think you're one right. of the most valuable people, dude. Like you're fucking, you know, you're a beautiful person, man. Um, you know, you, you just, insp- you inspire me. You're, you're fucking, I love the way you write, man. But, um, I just I just found out that Vincent Van Gogh. Did you hear about how he how he died? Then he killed himself. He fucking he shot himself in the head twice because <laughs> this motherfucker. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> he, he would. It's crazy how much people, these beautiful people, can hate themselves so right. fucking much. You know, it's it it breaks. Robin Williams like. These yeah. fucking beautiful people, uh, the guy in Chris Court, that hurt. That hurt me deep, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't know why creative folks and beautiful people, beautiful souls, feel like that, man. Like, why do you think? Yeah, I don't really know where it all comes from, but yeah, it definitely does get twisted up, and uh, just that. I think it ties into. Uh, kind of like what we're unpacking in Genesis, these, yeah. I think the way that we, the way that we remember things, sometimes through the way that we remember things, we do violence to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, when we, when we blame ourselves, like, I mean, shit just happens in life, yeah. you know, but sometimes oh, yeah. we, we will blame ourselves for acting like the fools that we were really like, oh, yeah. especially like when we're children or even like when we're, you know, <laughs> yeah, we the, blame. The, yeah. A lot of the and, story was because of my regrets um, because when my sister died, uh, we, we used to fight, you know, we were fucking kids, 19, mm-hmm. she, she was 17 and she would run away from home. And, and I would just say some really mean stuff. I said some really mm-hmm. mean shit that last year she was alive. And we had these different things that we did for Christmas together and, you know, we didn't get to do it. And I didn't, I never got to see a chance to, to make things right. Never, so for years, from my, from my, my entire twenties, I was, I, I drank, man. I drank and I fucking smoked cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I was really self-destructive in my twenties. And then in my thirties, 
you know, I had, had kids. Uh, my, my daughter was when I was 25. So I kind of stopped the, the drinking and the smoking around that age. But in my 30s, I was still like really like hurting. But I, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have those outlets. Um, but then I started the self-discovery of, you know, audio books. I really do- dove into books, self-help books. Uh, that's something that you're going to do when you, uh, if you're not doing it already in your thirties, oh, you're going to be doing it. I'm reading every day already. <laughs> yeah. I just, I started like two months ago and I've already crushed several <laughs> books. I'm going to do, I'm going to read at least half an hour a day for the rest of my life. I knew <laughs> books, books are a fucking people don't realize the power of books, man. If I, everything that mm-hmm. I've learned has it's been from a fucking book. Absolutely. And, uh, what we were talking about, about our past and how our memories work. Um, what I've learned lately is that, you know, we can renegotiate those things. We can revise. Yeah. Revise them and and re-edit those memories in a, in a more positive kind of way. You mm-hmm. know, when I look back at those things where I fucked up when I was 19, I'm fucking 40 now. I, I can't keep beating up a 19 year old boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know who 19 year olds are. I'm like, well, fuck, he had no choice. Like, what do you expect? Like, he's fucking yeah, 19, yeah. man. My kids are like 15 and shit and they fight all the time. Like, oh shit. Yeah. So I renegotiate that. Those memories. Yeah. That's, um, so I've been, you know, I've been reading the Stoics a lot, uh, in like ancient Greek philosophy and stuff. And the Stoics have been super helpful to me. And one of the things that Epictetus says is like fools don't, want to be foolish they just are so don't be mad at them and then like the more i thought about that and then i kind of and then elsewhere he says like is it possible to be perfect like no never but it's possible to be someone who's trying to get better i'm paraphrasing but uh, he says, and he's like, and like, and that's good enough. Yeah, and yeah. yes. That's, so yeah. then I kind of took those two things and put them together. And I was like, I think it's just time to forgive myself. And that goes, that goes back to that whole idea of revising your memories, which is basically what we're dealing with in Genesis and where you can take, you can take your memories of the past where for 20 years, you've been telling yourself like, I'm a piece of shit. You know, I need to suffer. And I think, I think that's what hell is. I think hell. And I mean, I kind of wrote about it in guillotine. Like, I think we, it's, it's a self-inflicted state of suffering that we just, I I mean, the Buddha talks about it too. You know, we we torture uh, ourselves. I think there's, and also I think we kind of get some, we get something out of it. We kind of get something out of torturing ourselves, like control. In a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely it's control. Is <laughs> is you know, I'm not saying it's it's pleasurable, uh, pleasurable, but um, I think it's an addiction, like anything else. Sometimes we're addicted mm-hmm. to suffering. Sometimes we're just we're so used to like if if you're used to having a certain pain, and then just one day it's gone. It's like where did it go? That's part you know, of me. <laughs> that was part of my identity like suffering is my identity like i'm supposed to be a a tragic (laughs) sufferer yeah Um, i'm the i'm the tragic character (laughs) yeah i got my validation from suffering like you can use your you know 
your trauma sometimes is an excuse, you know, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, people that have gone through things, you know, that they should just shrug, shrug it off, but, you know, you got to renegotiate it. It's your responsibility. Um, if you have some kind of issue, you know, if, you know, it's unfair, unfair shit, things happen, but you know, how we respond to them and how we keep replaying them and, and experiencing them. That's, that's on us, man. You know, no one's unless you know, you're at some kind of camp where they're torturing you, right? But yeah, it's we uh, pretty much all of our pain is self-inflicted. We especially when we rehearse or when we revisit the shit from our past that we're like embarrassed about or that we regret, and then we just replay it and replay it and replay it in our minds it's like the buddha talks about it uh with the two arrows where he's you know you're going about your daily life and out of nowhere like an arrow comes and hits you in the dick or something you know (laughs) somebody shoots an arrow at you you got my dick (laughs) yeah you can't stop them from catching you off guard with an arrow but that first arrow, I mean, that's pain. That's like the unfortunate things that do happen in life. It is what it is. Uh, but once you know someone's shooting at you, like you can do something about it. You can oh, move yeah. out of the way. So like he says, like there's two arrows. The first arrow is pain. It catches you off guard. But the second arrow is suffering. And if you recognize, like, so in that sense, like pain is a signal. And suffering then is a choice like Mm. you know something's shooting at you so move out of the way like you don't have to accept the suffering you have to deal with pain but you don't have to accept the suffering i'm totally butchering the beautiful way no 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 but um i've been reading a book by a woman called clear weeks in um about anxiety because you know i think we all kind of have a little bit just some more extreme than others but she says something about the second pain or now I'm butchering her her talks, um, but she's saying I, how you first have an, an initial reaction, it's like oh mm-hmm. oh you know, but then the second reaction is when we kind of hold on to it. So like say if we're exactly. we're in a car we're driving, we're in a, we're driving, and uh, someone cuts us off, we're like, oh shit you know you you know that first fear is like oh 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 you know I made it, and then that second thing that motherfucker, and then you exactly. take it to, take it to work, you think about it all day, you, you text about it, you you think about it. And then you think all people who drive are fucking assholes because that one yeah. person cut me off. Like, mm-hmm. Or like one thing that I do is like, I'll have like a small altercation with someone like, like, like just a little argument. And then, and then you think about it later and you're like, Oh, I should have said, <laughs> I should have said yeah. this. I, I could have put him in his place. If I had just said, and you are subjecting yourself by choice yeah. to the argument over and over again rehearsing ways that you would have hurt the other person more than they hurt you but really what's happening now is you're hurting yourself yeah reflecting on it yeah and why do you think we do that like what what's the evolutionary uh evolutionary reason for for us having that kind of reaction and latching on because animals you know they get they have a fight or flight and then they're like i'm out of right saber two tigers out of the way i'm good that is an interesting question i think that 
if you're unable to reflect on traumatic events at all, you can't learn from them. And if you can't yeah. learn from traumatic events, you can't predict change course. Yeah. yeah. And so there is a, an evolutionary advantage to reflecting on the things that happened to you that you didn't want to happen to you and then strategizing how to avoid them. Unfortunately, it is also a trap because rumination <laughs> it's one yeah it's one thing to look back on like an argument that you have with your partner and say i don't like this that this argument happened it could have been avoided if i had done this you know if i had taken out the garbage sooner or you know if i had you know paid more attention when she was speaking to me uh and i think that is productive and that's kind of like what we're talking about in genesis is like going reflecting on what happened and learning from it and then putting it away i think that is productive and useful and i think that's why that mechanism that weird thing that we do revisiting our past i think that's why it's there mm -hmm. what isn't productive is like going back and saying like oh I really could have hurt her feelings if I had said this instead, you know, I could have put her in her place. So there's yeah. two ways that we can revisit our past. We can revisit it and like try to think of ways that we could have one up somebody ways that we could have won, or we can go back and we can think of ways that maybe we could have avoided it in the first place. Yeah. And I think that is where, I mean, that's really where, so I guess in reflection is really where growth happens, but it's also where destruction can happen. So I guess yeah. you got to be careful. Yeah, this that's the thing is, you know, I used to and I still do. I have a I get hyper fixated. My 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 flavor of uh anxiety is uh health anxiety. I'm a, a hypochondriac light kind of. So <laughs> I I can laugh about it now, but back in the day, man, like if I would have a, a mole or uh, my arm right. would twitch or hurt or hurt right here, I would google it. I would google it and I would go down the rabbit hole. And I would panic and I would ruminate and I would panic and I would, eventually I'll go to the ER and they run the test. And they're like, oh, no, you're good. You just uh, stressed. I had some anxiety medication. And yeah. I'm like, oh, well, this like, stop Oh, I thought it? I like, had a Bolades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you'll be good for 30 days. I'm like, 30 days? Bitch, I, I got to live with this. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I got to live like this. So it's so weird, man. It's I, just to me, I'm curious about how the brain it loves to automate things and mm -hmm. you know just how much are we responsible for sometimes i wonder like like how much are we in control man very little uh, i mean there's a so again i study the stoics all the time and one of epictetus's biggest things is like the only thing you control is your thoughts and your actions <laughs> I feel like basically we everything that. else yeah and uh, yeah thoughts, but, then, huh? <laughs> um, but yeah there is certainly a question to be had like how how much of our thinking do we have control over and i in the moment 
so another major theme among the Stoics is uh, is practice. Uh, Marcus mm. Aurelius says that you know, he discusses kind of the difference between like a swordsman and a boxer, and he says that like a sword for a swordsman, if he gets attacked somewhere, the first thing that he has to do is he has to go find his sword and then start using it. So yeah, he may have mastered the sword, but if he's not carrying his sword, he's, he's still fucked. Whereas a boxer always has his, his practice with him. And Hmm. he says that we should approach philosophy and and basically life like a boxer. Like we Hmm. should, especially like these, what we're talking about, these aspects of self mastery uh, if we are going to learn how to do things like as far as like managing our anger and stuff like that, it needs to be, we need to prepare for as much as we can. We need to prepare for the things in our life that are predictable so that when they happen to us, we can change what our default reaction is going to be. So in my case, like I know that actually this is something that I've started to do every day and it's actually been very helpful to me. Um, and I stole it straight from Marcus Aurelius, but uh, I deal with assholes at work all the time. And so pretty much every day that I work a shift at Publix, I write in my journal and I'm like, you're going to deal with dicks today <laughs> it's gonna happen it's inevitable <laughs> yeah. like you're going to end up in situations that you don't want to be in where people are being rude and annoying and frustrating you don't have to get pissed off and i just write this to myself in my journal and reflect on it for as long as i can remember to reflect on it through the day and at first it didn't it didn't matter it didn't do anything uh, yeah. but, uh, now that it's been several months of me really focusing and I think of it as like an act of, it's a way of setting my intention. Yeah. And, uh, it's kind of like training. It is training to be a boxer. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing myself for what is likely to happen in my day, which is somebody's so going to get mad at me for some shit that's out of my control. And then yeah. I'm going to get mad at them. And I'm, I might you know, be tempted to be rude or whatever, but like, I don't have to get mad. And now I have literally found that like, I feel that initial flash of, of anger, like, yeah. which is really just a signal. I, I feel like anger is really, it's not a feeling that you have to have. It's, it's a signal that yeah. there's something happening that you're not in control of. And so it's a signal like, be careful, you know, tread carefully here. And you can take it like that. And then you can stay rational and not get caught up in the like, why is, why is life happening to me right now? (laughs) (laughs) Why have I been forsaken? Yeah. (laughs) And you can be proactive. Yeah. And you can start to, uh, and so then you can focus on what you can control. I'm no master of this. Yeah. By by far, I have not mastered this. No, I have I think, gotten better. I think there is no mastery. I think it's it's the pursuit, like you said. No one can be yeah. perfect. 
but I've gotten so much better. Uh, you know, and, that's, and that's yeah, and, and what is and that's enough. That is enough that you are proactive about it. You know that you already know that you're gonna fall short, um, but that you keep keep at it. You know that's I think that's where the um, the goal is. And you're meeting that goal. Um, I, I what I do is um, self talk like a lot of bad negative self talk. I think that's where my health anxiety came from. So what mm. I did is I once twice a year I, what I do is I create these fucking um, self affirmation uh, mm-hmm. audios. And I record myself saying nice things to myself, just just really nice things like, you know, you're you're this, you're that, you're great. I, I am this, I am that. And when I re- drive to work, I, I put that on instead of like music, these affirmations, these things that are telling me these nice things in my head so that I can train the voices in my head, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, re- retrain them. And I catch myself talking to myself in a nicer kind of way now. I think that's very important. And I think that's, that's huge. It's the kind of thing that when you're in a negative headspace, I mean, I've been here, you know, the last thing you want to hear somebody say is you just got to say nice things about yourself. Like when you're in that dark headspace, the last thing you want to do is say anything kind. Yeah. If you've never practiced that, no, it doesn't fucking work. Like throw somebody a street, uh, somebody that's never fought in their life in the ring with a boxer. (laughs) That motherfucker is going to get eaten up, even if he knows how to fight. This guy practices every day for this. And (laughs) yeah. And I mean, actually, I wrote about this recently. You know, I don't even know where it came from, but this negative self talk just crept into my life at a very young age. And then I would just repeat it to myself. And so then, yeah. And then anytime somebody in my life, said something that matched up with the shit that I said about myself. It was just like straight to the heart. You know, I, I couldn't resist the pain. Whereas now that shit doesn't hurt the way that it did. Like, yeah, because I've changed the way that I speak to myself. And so I know that if somebody says some shit about me, I don't have to believe it. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's not true. I don't. Yeah. Say, I I never say that to myself. Well, no, that's my mom. My mom always tells me that I'm handsome. So like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Somebody and, says something. I'm like, what? No, that's not true. No. <laughs> and I think actually that's it's. I think it's good that you mentioned that. Uh, I think that's something that I think parents can really do for their children is. Not necessarily the like participation trophy level of oh, like, yeah. enabling, but I don't think we, I mean, maybe we are, maybe we are born believing in ourselves and we have to be taught not to, but I think in a world that is, that can be so damaging sometimes, I think that's oh, yeah. one of the best things that, that, I mean, parents can do for their children and that we can do for each other. And I mean, oh, that's, that's what you, you do with me. Yeah, when I circle. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that uh but especially my my back, can you hear me? Yeah, 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 you're back. Okay. Yeah, I think that's um especially from a young age. So actually I do want to talk about uh if you don't mind, like what's it like being a dad? <laughs> how how has yeah. that impacted your life journey? 
Yeah. So like you were saying about how the best thing a parent can really do, I think, is give a child a space, a sanctuary, you know, from the world because the world is sucks and, and it's shitty. And no, most people aren't very supportive of you. <laughs> uh, so when I was a kid, that, that was the biggest advantage that I had over all of my uh, peers was I had, like I said, middle class who were financially secure, which led to emotional security. Uh, so when I went home, it was just, I had this normal mom and dad and my brother and sister, we ate breakfast and we ate dinner and hung out together and did the things. Mm -hmm. So I was very, very supported, man. I was, I was incredibly loved. I had a very great, great childhood. Um, and like I said, up until my sister passed, um, but I was a spoiled brat. <laughs> I was a fucking spoiled, spoiled right. brat by the end of it. And, uh, but when my daughter came bouncing along. I really had to uh, change about my perspective. That, I don't, I don't want to say that people who don't have kids are selfish, but when you don't have kids, it's easy to become egocentric. Like everything kind of revolves around you and that, you know, that you're kind of alone in this world and that, mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing, there's, there's no, you, you are no, of no consequence. What the things that you do is of no consequence. When you're a parent, like, no, you have this little human looking up at you and they just look at everything that you do and eventually they repeat the things that you say right. and the things that you do. And, um, and they're just the little sponges, man. So yeah, I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I, I stopped a lot of negative, just saying things. I just, before I had, I didn't have any filter, man. I was really mm -hmm. offensive. I was, I grew up like watching a lot of comedians. So I kind of just spoke my mind in a lot. So it, I was very inappropriate. I would say things just really mean things. Um, but with my daughter, I, I kind of stopped saying those things because I realized that my words have repercussions. Power. The things that I say, yeah, like um, I can't really do these different things. I can't. I can't. I, I remember when my daughter was born, I got drunk um, a little while after. My friends came up, and I was like, "All right, let's go hang out." And it had been nine months. I, I was in solidarity with their mother. I didn't drink, but after my daughter was born, I was like, "All right, let's go fucking." have a drink let's go party and i tried to drink like i used to and i got i blacked out but mm. my body kept going like i was still doing things so the next day i heard that i was i was drunk and i was just embarrassing and i was like i can't mm. i can't be like that for my my kids so right that's when i stopped drinking heavy liquor but i did drink a lot of beer um but just as they've grown up i've just grown with them they, they've really humbled me so much i i was homophobic uh for mm -hmm. example I was very homophobic um, and I never forget. I was in the mall with my daughter and I saw a little boy with a dress on and I was about to say something. I'm about to say something ignorant. And my daughter said before I say anything, she said, that's a pretty dress. And that just all these years of, of uh, toxic masculinity kind of just mm -hmm. evaporated. And I was like, wow, you're right. That is. And they're constantly just humbling me, man. Like things old viewpoints that i had on things they'll they'll say their perspective and i'm like i never looked at it that way so in a way i feel like they're raising me <laughs> yeah that's um it's really fascinating that you said that because i i feel like a lot of self-improvement as an adult is unburying your inner child yes yes I can feel like I oh dude 
that I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I feel like a kid again, like for a long time, you know, just doing the adult things. You, you kind of forget how to be a kid. You really mm-hmm. forget how to be a kid because you got to do all these different things. But and you so you forget the magic of Christmas. You forget the magic, yeah. of, you know, having a birthday and the magic of just, you know, when you're a kid, everything's just so new and just so, you know, you can't go down to, you know, you can't be, you got to be serious. You know, I'm an adult. I got to be serious. But mm-hmm. kids, you know, no, man. And they, they've taught me. Um, <laughs> you know me. You know I like to dress up, right? Mm-hmm. I like to wear costumes. Can you believe yeah. that when I was a teenager, I hated costumes? I was, I felt like I was a mature adult and that only fools dress up in costumes. And that's how that was me when I was a teenager because I was like, you know, oh, I got to be serious. I'm an adult. But after kids, I was like, I fucking love dressing up, man. I fucking mm-hmm. love wearing costumes and fucking wigs, paint my fucking nails, and just yeah. being a fucking kid, self expression. Mm-hmm. No, I like, lo- and seeing you just have fun, like without shame, has actually been extremely inspirational for me. And also, like seeing you. Cause I mean, I was drinking pretty heavy, even like when you met me and I was drinking way worse before that. And, but seeing really? you like how responsible you were was also very motivational for me to clean my shit up. Uh, you know, there's, I look up to you in a lot of ways and which is funny because like you've said the same thing to me, but yeah, <laughs> I've learned a lot from your, your willingness to express yourself. Like, and I think that's uh, like when I saw you at that open mic and you were playing a cover of Creep and like, <laughs> oh, t- oh, butchering it. <laughs> I mean, it didn't turn out great, but that's where one of the biggest differences between you and me is that you will just go the fuck out there and do it anyway. Whereas I still, I'm getting past it. I've and I've gotten, I've made a lot of progress, but especially even when you met me. I still was afraid to do anything that I didn't feel like I had perfected and afraid to show anything that I couldn't tell. I felt because when you jumped up on that mic, man, you had, you had the confidence of, and then you backed it up with the, with the skill, with the performance, man. Like it's crazy that you got a good poker face like that. Cause you, <laughs> you ooze like confidence. I loved it. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like you just walked in there. Oh, nice job. Move, 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 move to the side it <laughs> <laughs> did you fucking floored everybody it was amazing <laughs> i mean you and i have talked a lot about kind of that line between like professionalism and like and foolishness and um i think it's important to stay close to that line because if you drift too far into the like totally prepared you know all the way put together completely planned out realm it's too serious. Yeah. You, you lose the authenticity. And then, you, especially at open mics, it's easy to see a lot of the other side where someone gets up and is <laughs> basically just musically masturbating on yeah, stage. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. No. Just, uh, they're, yeah. They're having fun. They're having fun. It's about self-expression. But yeah, if it's not, um, you know, yeah, those, those some guys would be just wasted and they, they'd be up there and they ain't played a guitar in 20 years and then they would break your shit. It wasn't cool. Like you're just being responsible. <laughs> Red <laughs> you're star. Ass. You're a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely remember that. I do miss 
I mean, it's been so long now since I played. I miss being on stage because I feel like when I am performing to a certain extent, like I am creating myself in that moment, especially, and that's where I do like being right on that line where I'm not just, and this is something because I, I used to play in like band, like in like high school band where oh, yeah. we were, we rehearse the same piece meticulously to a piece of sheet music. I was a practice it. <laughs> yeah. It. Practice for months. Yeah, for the to play one song at one concert exactly <laughs> this specific way. And I do think you lose something when you're just robotically replicating something that you've specifically mastered. And I don't feel like there's as much self-creation in that moment. Yeah, I, I, like you said, it is balance and it kind of goes back to what you were saying where we were talking about just automating things. I feel like you can so as a bass player and a guitar player, you know, you already know if you practice scales, you practice chords, your fingers know to know what to do. You don't have to think about how do I make a C chord? It doesn't start mm -hmm. here. It starts here. So when you practice enough where this knows what it's doing, this guy's open. Your conscious brain is open for creativity, open for spontaneity. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's married in rehearsing and being prepared, but being inflexible. Um yeah, I think that's where we kind of run the dangers of like it's got to be meticulous, it has to be just like this, and it has to be perfect, or I can't do it. It's like you, you've been on stage, things happen. <laughs> you broke, oh. a, I never forget, you broke a string on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean I love watching you perform. I mean, really, all of you guys when you get up there with Pilot Jones. Yeah, uh, you guys put on a great show, but I especially love like you're moving around you're like i i love how expressive you are when you play and i think it goes back to like you know why you're doing it yeah you know you're not at this point you're not doing it i don't think so at least i don't perceive it this way that you're doing it for any sense of validation i think i think that's the biggest difference between you and how i used to be and one of the biggest things that i really have been able to learn from you is that I still, especially like when you met me and especially before that, was still partially motivated by validation. I wanted to become someone uh, because I didn't realize I already was someone and me. Yes, yes. That's yeah. good enough. And instead yeah. of leaning all the way into expressing who I am, like discovering who I am and then expressing that, I was still trying to create what i thought i was supposed to be and uh that makes sense that, that you know that that makes a lot of sense um because that was me at work I, I wanted to be somebody else i kept wanting mm -hmm. to be part of the administration and i was doing the things and selling out um but then i realized that you know my job isn't who i am you know my bass playing that's not who i am um you know, I, I'm a dad, but that's that's not who I am. Um, I feel like when I'm in the moment of just doing doing the things, doing like making the music, writing the songs, doing talks, just that's that's me, man. That's I love just doing things that it's just kind of like once in a lifetime, man. Like every moment, like I said, everything is finite. Everything we do mm -hmm. is finite. So I want I like to make everything kind of count and matter. Uh, because I'm not going to always 
be here. I'm not going to always have the ability to to jump around on stage and and rock out. I'm going to be one mm-hmm. day my sweater is going to be too fucking heavy. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, oh damn. Yeah. Why y'all put this? this is polyester? This shit's mm-hmm. heavy. <laughs> You know, um, and just talking to the people. People are temporary, man. You know, people aren't always going to be here. Um, and we got to, you know, appreciate them while we're here. Uh, my bandmates, like, they drive me crazy. <laughs> they drive me so fucking right. crazy. I love them. And sometimes I have to, you know, we rehearse twice a week, man. We rehearse a lot. But I took this month off. I was like, guys, I need a break. I love you, but mm-hmm. I need a break. Because um, I was I was burnt out, man. But... Mm-hmm. It's just about uh, validating, finding the validate. It's an internal thing because you live with yourself every moment of every day. And again, if you're satisfied with who you are, I know it's, it sounds fucking cliche as fuck, but you know, you got to live with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm happy. I can sleep at night. I'm happy. And, I, and like I said, those things that I did in the past, I revisit them. The, the negative stuff, so I could creep up, and it's like, oh, but you did this thing. It's like, yeah, I know, but bro, I was, I was a 19 year old kid, man. Leave him alone. Yeah, <laughs> he was, he was 20. Yeah, I drank a lot. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not who I am. Yeah, and that's um, that's something that Marcus Aurelius writes a lot about, and I mean the other Stoics too. One of one of his expressions is he talks about like sand in a desert and like blowing over and uh, how basically like every month, like, and this is, I wrote, I've written about this too. Like that, that concept of like dying every day, like every day. Yeah. I love that article you wrote. Yeah. Like I don't even have to be the same person I was when we started this conversation. Yeah. You know, I could, I could decide right now, that there are behaviors that I want to say goodbye to and I can stop doing it. That's, yep. and I don't have, and I think that's a, like sometimes, and it comes back to what we were talking about too, with like that sense of identity. Like a lot of times we identify with those negative aspects of ourself and we are reluctant to let them go. But uh, yes. And so that's why sometimes it's so hard to let go. Obviously, there are things like addiction. You know, you can be physically addicted oh, yeah. to chemicals and stuff. But then when you it comes to like just... You can be addicted to thoughts. Yeah. Mindsets. Yeah, exactly. And I think that comes down to basically identifying with that negative shit and then like thinking that that's who you are. But that's not who you are. Like... I don't, I don't really know what we are, but I, I was talking about this with my buddy the other day. Uh, I think a large part of it is essentially just like what you're focusing on. I think to a certain extent, you are what you focus on. And so I've noticed yeah. with me, if I'm in like a negative headspace, if I'm depressed, what am I thinking yeah. of? I'm thinking of me. I can't be depressed. <laughs> Unless I am 100% thinking about myself. Hmm. But if I think about literally anything else, it's impossible for me to be depressed. If I am fully, if I'm doing math, you know, if I'm fully absorbed and trying to solve a fucking math problem, you know what I'm not? I'm not depressed. Like it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I and I mean I could be I'm not a psychologist I could be wrong. No, this, no. I feel I, like, I like where you're going. Yeah. I feel like it's impossible to be. 
depressed if you are focused on something else. And yeah, I think that's why. I, yeah. But the only thing is that might lead to just seeking out these distractions. Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. You can't, you can't always distract yourself. Um, my, I, my advice, if you don't know who, who you are, go talk, go ask five of your closest <sighs> people that know you. Yeah. What they think about you to tell you, you know, if, you, if you're brave enough <laughs> or if they're yeah, brave yeah, enough. Yeah, no, that's kind of scary. <laughs> uh, if you're brave enough and if they are, you know, ask people, what do you, you know, what do they think about you? And then take that inventory and then, you know, really think about why do they, you know, why do they think that, you know, I, I, I love to talk to my kids to pick my brain, my, my kid's brain. I, and um, I don't ask them like, you know, what do you think about me? It's kind of like a roundabout kind of way. Um, and I always think it's interesting, you know, see how people really think about you. And it's like, mm -hmm. do I present that way? And if so, how, if I like that, okay, I'm gonna keep presenting that way. But if I right. don't like it, I try to, you know, readjust. If my kids mm -hmm. think like, oh, I'm, I'm a really mean guy. I'm like, all right, well, why do you think that? Like, I do yell at a lot. I, I do curse a lot in traffic. You know, like, all right, well, let me just stop doing that. Um, they don't, but my kids know. They they know that I listen. My my son said the sweetest shit to me last year. It was like, Dad, you know, I really love talking to you because, you know, you listen to me. And he he just, he's fucking. He was ten or eleven. He said that shit. Wow. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, like that's that that's exactly what I want to hear. Like from my kids, mm -hmm. like. My goal as a parent was achieved. Yeah. And I, do think, I do think that is something that children need uh, from both of their parents, but I think especially from their fathers, because I think, at least in our society, I think women tend to listen better. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, <laughs> at least to their children. I need to hang you know, out, hang around the women that you hang around. Yeah. <laughs> At least I found like when I was young, like if when I was a child, like I could, I almost never had any conversations with any like male oh, figures yeah. in my life. I, I see what you mean. Uh, whereas yeah. even if, even if my mom or my aunt or whatever weren't like listening to me talk about the philosophy of a five-year-old, you know, <laughs> uh, they were still there, present, you know, hearing what I had to say, you know, laughing at my jokes or whatever, you know, when I was a kid, you know, whereas like the men in my life tended to just brush me off, you know, like I wasn't there and, and I didn't matter. And I think that that then resonates into and you know, as we develop more advanced levels of thinking, we start to read into that and think that that means something. And so I yeah. think by you listening to your son you teach your son that he's someone worth listening to. Yeah. That, and I take back what I said, about women do listen. Women are, are better listeners than, than men. And um, a lot of, um, a lot of men, you know, we're not given the tools. I'm not trying to give us excuses, but it's a generational thing, man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you probably couldn't talk to your dad about a lot of things because first you were like, I can't approach my dad about that. He's going to get pissed or he's going to think I'm a pussy. Mm -hmm. I'm, or he's going to think I'm a bitch, you know? So that's, that's where I grew up. And my and I'm not mad about my dad about that. And because that's what he got from his dad. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that his dad was even meaner. And his dad was even meaner. So right. 
not it's not because they just mean by default it's just the environment and the things that shape them um so i don't have a reason really to be a mean parent or a toxic parent my because my parents gave me the world so that's what i can that's all the thing i can do to pass it down keep keep passing down you know patience and and the things that were given to me and i hope that my son you know if he had decides to have children does the same you know mm -hmm. yeah that that active i mean active listening active active parenting you know i think fathers have kind of developed a bad reputation over the last hundred years kind of for a reason you know yeah. and it, maybe it goes back to like a lot of dads probably died in the wars and so a lot of children maybe didn't even get a chance to develop a relationship with their fathers and then uh that just that passes down almost like a generational curse you know yeah. and then only once we start talking about it which is the kind of thing that's been happening now and i mean I think it's largely thanks to the internet that so many people have been able to break some of those like almost generational like curses, you know, now you can go on YouTube and somebody can tell you like, Hey, you probably picked up some traits that are negative and then you can learn a different way of looking at them and of looking at yourself just by like watching some YouTube videos that just randomly might pop up in your feed. Yeah. Oh no. I, I, that's all I do, man. YouTube videos. Um, but the, the advice, everyone has advice and it's all, it, it varies. Mm -hmm. Um, but it starts with, you know, self-reflecting. You're like, will this work for me? Like, you know, it's, it's never a one size fits all because I tried. I've listened to this new age parenting shit, and uh, they were like, "Oh, you should tell your kids about Santa Claus isn't real because, um, you know, it's lying, and you want to have them feel like adults and shit like that." So I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that." So a couple, few years ago, my daughter, she's I don't know, ten or eleven, mm -hmm. so it's, it's Christmas time, and I'm like, I like follow the instructions of this new age parenting tip. So I told my baby, I was like, I want to bring you into the secret club. Like the Santa Claus isn't real. We just tell kids that so that they can, you know, believe in the magic. So, you know, I'm telling you so that you don't, don't tell your brother because I'm, I'm, I feel like you're an adult and you deserve to know the truth. So it came from a genuine place. Right. My daughter, a single teardrop rolled from her eye and she said, I knew I, I've heard the rumors, but I didn't wanted to be true that why why did you do that like why, oh, why would you man. and dude talk about regret that's one of the <laughs> regrets of my life i, <laughs> I was yeah. like i should have kept up the fucking lie oh, oh man i just i stole her magic i stole yeah the fucking... but i was trying to I, I was like i said i wanted to treat her like an adult and i wanted to it was out of respect and love but it backfired. Right. It backfired so bad, and I still hear about it. She <laughs> told her mom, and, "Oh my, oh my god!" And well, it, it was the worst. It's funny that you mentioned that because it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, like rediscovering that child. Like I think, I think it's it really is about kind of rediscovering that magic and uh, not necessarily literally believing in Santa Claus, but oh yeah, believing that what isn't currently happening could be possible 
and especially when it comes to like creative endeavors, when it comes to like living a life that isn't all about your nine to five, uh, when, when it comes to become, being happy, you know, I think part of becoming an adult is forgetting how to be happy. You know, kids, like an average kid, fucking wake up in a good mood. I mean, not necessarily, but like <laughs> it doesn't take, I mean, I can't think of too many times when I was like a child where I woke up like, fuck. <laughs> you know? No, no, you know, no, I, you know, I, yeah, growing up, it, it steals the magic, and every day, like the magic is stolen. Like your favorite fruit snack stops being sold. Uh, they stop uh, airing your favorite cartoon. Mm -hmm. You know, it, little the little magic is taken and is robbed from you every day. The little joys, um, but the, who's to say? Like we said, we're talking about reinventing things, like. All right, well, I don't have my. I like I love Butterfinger, but they changed the formula and it tastes terrible now. Like, all right, well, and now I get to try almond joys, and uh, I really right. like almond joy. There you go. Oh shit, this this I missed out on this all these years. Butterfinger mm. was shit. <laughs> yeah, but there's always yeah. something new. The magic is still there. It's just we don't we shouldn't get tainted that it'll never return and that things will always be shitty and that I always work this bullshit job. Um, I think if we it, it take the time to really um, focus on, on our, on our, on our craft, our arts, our, the things that, that do validate us. Like we kind of throw ourselves into that. That is the perfect outlet, man, uh, not our outlet, but it's the, the perfect way to use um, those resources to, to, to think about when you, if you don't exercise, do you I'm like you you're a pretty active guy though. But if you don't exercise, what happens? You have less energy. Absolutely. But you need energy to exercise. Like it is twenty two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So but the way to do that is slowly do a little bit every day so that you build up and you have those reserves and the practice. You know, you don't become a boxer just by watching boxing videos and reading <laughs> about it. You yeah. box around a box by throwing some punches you know every yeah. day no i mean that happened to me this year um i've I experimented with stuff and one thing i mean we you've talked about it too uh every morning now first thing i do i wake up i make my caffeine i drink celsius uh i drink my caffeine and i either journal first and then go for a walk or i go for a walk and then i journal I love it. <laughs> and if if I don't go for a walk, and then I've recently started running, but I did it too much. I was doing it like every day, and then also going and walking like ten miles at my job, and then I, it was too much. So yeah, I took a couple of days off because my my feet were like really hurting bad. Yeah. Um, but I'm like every day I get out there, I walk at least a mile. You know, sometimes I'll do two or even three miles. Uh, and then, you know, I do a quick little run, uh, and I do my journaling. If I don't do that for like a, a week or two weeks, I get depressed. Yeah. And that, no. Yeah. That happened to me, uh, like all October I was good. I was disciplined. I was consistent. Yeah. And then, uh, in November I tried getting back into freelancing. My routine got all fucked up. 
And every day, like instead of going out and doing those little pieces of self-care, yeah. I was like, oh, I need to go out. I need to be like pitching jobs. You know, I need to be I need to be at my computer selling myself. You know, there's no time for self-care, you know, yeah. that. Yeah. But what takes me like an hour to to go you know, journal, go for a walk you know, and take care of myself, my my mind, my body, it only takes a little bit of time, Just but it. it makes, it gives me, it gives me more life. It gives me so yeah. much more life just, just to do those things. And by, if I cut that stuff out, yeah, I go downhill quick. Uh, <laughs> no, really, I get it. I get it. It's like, it's like brushing your teeth. If you don't brush your fucking teeth for like a week, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just, it goes down. Uh, but I think, again, we don't want to become slaves to even our routines, even our self-care routines. We got to I'm not saying that we should switch it up, but we shouldn't beat ourselves up if we don't have to, or make time for it. I think. Right. It's just in the the intention is to. All right. I want to make sure that I that I do journal. But if I don't journal, I shouldn't, you know, beat myself up. Like, yeah, no, that's it's not effective because it's, yeah. it just. You're, you invite in, yeah, you invite shame in. Shame, shame and... is, I think shame is the our biggest enemy, really. Mm -hmm. Shame is, is our biggest. I mean, yeah, it sounds heroic that we are not heroic, but selfless that we we feel it. But it's sometimes the biggest enemy of of a stoic person of a person that's trying to be better. Um, when I was, I figured out that like, if I don't sleep good, like I'm 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 a really mean person the next day. Yeah. And I realize that now. So if I'm if I start feeling like an asshole, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't sleep. So like, that's why I'm so grouchy. I didn't sleep. Yeah, it's and not because it, of you. It's because yeah. of me. <laughs> but then I'm like, I'm easier on myself. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. You know, that's the thing. I'm easier on myself. So then I'm easier on everyone else. I like what you said about depression, and how it is. It comes from thinking about yourself too much. I didn't, I didn't think about it like that mm -hmm. you know so you just said that it's like you know what you you're right like you can't get depressed if you're not fucking to think about yourself yeah um i mean that's maybe not not thinking about yourself but it, you gave me a, a good concept to think about and i love that um and when you are easier on yourself you kind of don't think about yourself as much you're like oh i'm all, i'm all right you know i love people like, how was your day i'm like ah, it, was, it was all right i don't you know, before I, yeah. would, I would unload like, oh, well, this happened, that happened, and this happened. This person said this shit, and, and, and uh, now I'm like, uh, I don't know what happened. Like I was, I went to work. <laughs> like, yeah, move. I want to live my life now. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I've had something similar kind of unfolding for me recently over the last couple months. Uh, like my girl asks me, you know, how was your day? And when I was first at the job, like. I'd always find something to complain about. Yeah. But you always can. That's life. Oh, yeah. You can yeah, always easy. find something to complain about if you look hard enough. But I started just kind of, I was like, oh, you yeah. know what? I don't want to complain. Like, I don't want to come home and complain. And so, and I found that simply by deciding that my day wasn't bad enough to complain about, there's nothing to complain about. It, Even if some shit happens that, I would have complained about, you know, yeah. six months ago. 
now it doesn't bother me. It doesn't like it's not that bad. And I like to say worse yeah. things are happening to better people. That's that's what I like to remind myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. That is, I, I love that. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> yeah. You ever read the uh, the book The Magic? I haven't. Oh, it's fucking corny. It's hokey, but it's such a innocently beautiful uh, concept. And uh, once I read that, that I. I hate this. The secret. It's called the secret. The secret. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. The, secret, the, the magic is the um, the sequel, and okay. I, that game, that book changed my life. But the secret, yeah. Like I said again, it, it still applies. It's hokey. It's corny as shit. Mm -hmm. But it's just so, just it's always like common sense. Common sense isn't so common. Mm -hmm. But it's it, it teaches you about gratitude and like you said about complaining. Huge. Yeah, you focus on what I do at night. I don't do. I don't really have a morning routine, uh, but an, I have a night ritual where I think before I go to bed, I think about something I'm grateful for. I know mm -hmm. it sounds corny as fuck, but if it forces me to go through all, just to do an inventory of all the good things that happened during the day, and I mm -hmm. and I replay, I replay the good shit. I'm like, oh yeah, I had a smoothie. Oh man, I mm -hmm. I did this thing. That person said that thing to me. I saw a cute ass booty. You know, I'm thankful for this and I. Which was the best? Like, it yeah. was so many good things. They're all and, so good. Yeah. So I go to bed with a fucking, on a good note. Yeah. With a smile on your face. And I actually, uh, I do the same thing. I, I've got my, my discord community and I've got like a bot in there that I can program to do stuff over and over. And I have it every morning, post a message to a channel that's just called gratitude oh, where okay. it says, what are you grateful for today? And every day I pop in there. And like, I think about something I'm grateful in and I drop it in there. I mostly do it for me, yeah. you know, but I've noticed that like there are people in my community, sometimes they pop in there and they, something, they say something too. And these are people that like, they got a lot of times stuff going on in their life. That's way tougher than what I deal with. Oh yeah. You know, but simply by inviting them into my gratitude, <laughs> you know, makes it easy. Maybe maybe makes it a little bit easier easier for them to find something in their life to be gra grateful for. Oh yeah. And even them. just a little bit of gratitude, I think it's like sunlight, you know, how much sunlight do you need to wipe away darkness, you know? Yeah, gratitude can change everything and it could change yeah, it can change literally your life if you focus on that versus complaining and pessimism. Um but like you said, what I let's circle back around to the book. But the real reason why the book is important to me is because kind of like I said about that album, how it changed my life, mm -hmm. how it say it took me out of a dark place. Like I'm hoping that the book, you know, as corny as it sounds, I hope it, that it does help somebody. Like, you know, I think that's why we artists do what we do, is we hope that yeah. our art, like Marcus Aurelius and these art, these uh these guys from thousands of years ago wrote these fucking books, you know, mm -hmm. because it helps. Three thousand years later, it's still helping motherfuckers. Like, mm -hmm. like, so I'm hoping that you know the, the stories, like the stories you're writing, man. Is dude, like I showed it to some people, and they're like, "What the hell? This is good." Yeah, and I mean, it really is by trying to create something that's helpful for other people. I am helping myself. Yes, like I, I'm reaping the benefit of what I'm putting out into the world, and I think that goes both ways. Like when we and it, actually Marcus Aurelius talks about, you know, the Stoics talk about this, like when we hurt each other, 
we hurt ourselves. Yes, yes. And when we help each other, we help we help ourselves. Uh, something that I that came to my mind recently that I think I'm going to tweet. I think I scheduled it to go out on Twitter sometime soon. Uh, it's corny, but I said, uh, when you lie, you kill an honest person, which is like super dramatic, and, you know, kind of corny, but like to a certain extent, that is true. Like if I choose to steal, you know, I slay the person that at least for that, those few moments could have been honest. You know, I, if I choose to insult someone, you know, in, in that span of a couple seconds, I could have been kind, but I can't, I can't go back now and redo that yeah. and be someone that built them up. Like I, I can't change that. And, um, in doing that, in allowing that darkness in, because I wanted to hurt someone else. Like I let it, I let it inside me. Yeah. Uh, there's a saying that uh, like bitterness is a poison that you drink while you wait for someone else to die. to die. Yeah. Which I think is a great phrase. And uh, the no, irony is exactly that. It's like, I can insult someone and they can decide to not let it hurt their feelings. And so literally the only person that I'm guaranteeing that I'm going to hurt by insulting someone, stealing from someone, lying from some lying to someone, the only person that I am absolutely going to hurt by doing any of that shit is myself. Yeah. And yeah, I think, like I said, what we were asking me about being a parent, um, you know, you, you start off, as a kid thinking that you're, you're something. Um, and then, you know, as you get older, you start feeling a little, a little empty. Mm-hmm. Um, you start feeling like you're nothing, but then uh, when you're a part of a community that you feel you, you get older, you feel like you're part of everything. So mm-hmm. you're, you're something, then you're nothing, then you're everything. And that's the way I feel like we kind of mature as people. I mean, mentally, yeah. I think that's the way it should go. Um, because what you do and what you say affects people, man. You know, we, people like to think like, oh, you know, it's just a joke. Oh, I don't, you know, this is who I am. It's like, but, you know, you're, you're hurting people, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, um, I have a friend. He, they are, they trans, they're transitioning to the gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and before you would ask me this three years ago, I was like, oh, a dude's a dude, you know, a girl's a girl. Like right. transgender is bullshit. But now that I know people, I have, I know people who are doing, who are struggling with this and I, my mindset, I'm like, no, this, this is real, man. Like the, you know, I can't, you know, I got to really, you know, be mindful of -hmm. the things that I say, even if, even the things that I think now, like, no, man, it's in being a, having the courage and the strength to kind of challenge old mindsets. um, I think is, is really key. Uh, being just being just knowing that you know i don't really know anything <laughs> i guess yeah. like what was it plato said that like yeah no socrates plato yeah socrates. exactly mm-hmm. like just because you think you know something doesn't mean that it's it's true mm-hmm. you know having faith in something i, I uh another thing my I didn't, i'm not sure if i ever told you but my dad isn't my real dad my biological dad i didn't find out till i was 28 hmm. so for 20 
eight years, I thought that my dad was my dad. And then to come out and realize, find out that he wasn't and that I had like, I thought I grew up thinking I had one brother, one sister. So when I was 28, I realized that I had six sisters and eight wow. brothers. <laughs> like imagine the paradigm shift. Like, yeah, I don't like the thing that I thought was the things like that's untrue. Like, no, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> and that was that was a very like humbling experience. Mm hmm. Still is sometimes I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fascinating. It's um, and that's like a learning experience. Like you very literally had to deal with the fact that there were people out there who were your siblings who you never even knew it. So like potentially you could have run into someone, you could have got gotten in a fight with some guy, only to find it fucking like kill them. You know, you could have yeah, gotten yeah. in a fight kill the guy only to then later find out that he was your fucking brother dude and a greek tragedy <laughs> yeah yeah exactly not that i think you would have done that but like that's, no 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 that's, that's like uh that's kind of what we're dealing with where like people could literally be your brother walking around like you would never know sometimes yeah and i mean if you really allow yourself to open your mind you start to realize that they kind of are like we are all siblings you know we all do like there is no other team and We're so when we get into all this politics shit, all these, you know, people f fighting over what color constructs, man, they, they want to wear and stuff like that. And uh, like, but then at the same time, like they'll go to work and stand by side by side and like their coworkers, their brothers, if they're working, but then they yeah. go home, sit on the couch, you know, watch some shit on TikTok or watch some shit on the news. And they remember that they're supposed to hate that guy they work yeah. with. Like, I think the biggest, the greatest thing about um, the internet, and social media, was that it it connected all of us. It gave mm -hmm. well, no, no, it gave everyone a voice. Everyone mm -hmm. has a voice. I love it. But the the bad thing is that everyone, we all got to listen to these <laughs> these fucking voices. Yeah, like, they all have a platform. Uh, every dumb idea has a platform. Um, and it, it, I saw somebody they said the other day, and it was very pessimistic. Like, oh, you know, ninety percent of people suck. Ninety people. Suck percent of people are, are just trash and just garbage and i was like buddy like unless you are like mother Teresa, you're part of that 90 percent. like you're a piece of yeah. shit <laughs> yeah what i think it is is 99.9 percent .9 of people are actually fucking great I we're all so fucking too. fantastic it's just that one demographic it just think about really it really loud know, really that loud percent is just that one percent man can mm -hmm. make a hell of a difference like if you got a million people who are all upstanding citizens, but one percent is only what? one of them talks. What's what? What's I, well, what's one yeah. percent of a million? Yeah, ten thousand. I'm not good at math. Dude, <laughs> think about it. There's ten thousand mother loud motherfuckers who can ruin a million fucking people. Mm -hmm. Just one percent. So it's no, it's not ninety percent of people are trash. It's the fucking one percent, man. Well, yeah, maybe more, but I like to be you know a little more optimistic, but pitching in and just spouting out bullshit you're part of that one percent man mm -hmm. and i think the way to deal with that i might be wrong but i really don't even think that we necessarily have to silence the the like shitty one percent necessarily no, no. Uh, i think um, i think that the normal people need to speak up and need to be yeah. and, and i think that normal people 
and I think we count as normal people, you know, just yeah. like in the middle, like Re we're not reasonable. necessarily great, but we're not bad, like not yeah. terrible, but not great. But like, that's where I think it comes on us. Like people, as we kind of wake up, wake up, you know, whatever that means. Stay as, <laughs> yeah. Just as we open up to how things could be, you know, kind of rediscover that inner child. I think that it's on us to invite people to do the same you know to yeah. invite people to and actually kind of like what you should talk about with like your friend who's transitioning there are other ways that i think we can invite people to to become themselves like to stop yeah. burying all that shit that they've convinced themselves that they have to bury you know all the forms of self-expression that uh that we hide uh, because then it just it it spoils it goes toxic you know yeah. and it comes out in in negative bad yeah. ways and like i said that's what that's why i love that the internet and social media like i said it's, it's beautiful that it gives everyone a platform to be to, to speak their mind in the field heard i love mm -hmm. it um and yeah i don't i really don't like that we silence or i love when people say like oh yeah i'm deleting people who just feel this way about this thing it's like no, bitch, right. you're not deleting them. You're deleting yourself. You're turning yourself off. But That's you true. can't you can't live in a vacuum of people who are just mm -hmm. saying the same things that you're saying. And because my friends are I have friends who are, you know, hardcore conservative and and people who are crazy liberal. And they'll mm -hmm. I'll make a post and they'll, you know, start fighting each other. Then they'll DM me like, why are you friends with that libertard? Why are you friends with that baby killer conservative? It's like, no, like I actually know this person. Like I've talked to them. Like, no, they're not a, no, they're not a great person, not a hundred percent, you know, upstanding right. person, but they have these views because this, this is their experience. Mm -hmm. You know, no, we can't just put labels like people. We don't fucking know. Um, mm -hmm. It's easy to fall down it. I, I'll peruse the internet and I see some jackass say something, and, you know, all colored people are monkeys and whatever. It's like, sir, you're, you're racist. You're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, he's a fucking piece of shit, but you know, maybe I should, you know, find out why. Maybe he doesn't have any black friends. Because I've had some some friends who would, would say something racist. And I would go and I would say, like, hey, do you feel that way about me? And, oh, no, right. no, not, not you, but those other people. And I'm like, but, you what know. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I am those other people. Yeah. And, but like you said, it takes a, a person being responsible and reaching out and, and not silencing them, but saying, hey, don't you know, why are you saying these different, like calling them out, but not in a mm -hmm. just, no, yeah, hey, you're an asshole. You know, I've watched that video. Recently, I've watched that video of the guy, the black guy who converted the uh, KKK guys. Have you heard about that guy? I I think I've heard stories similar, but I don't know which story you're talking to. I have been kind of staying out of the social space recently. It's an uh, older but... story, but uh, yeah, old, older, old black guy. Um, befriended a kkk leader a mm -hmm. cult, cult leader and the story like I, when i first heard the story i was like it's i was upset because i was like it's not a black person's responsibility to turn the other cheek and educate and be patient but i was like you know what let me just hear this guy's story and it's mm -hmm. actually fucking beautiful it's such a beautiful fucking story about how these two became friends and the kkk guy he's still he's still a kkk guy he's like yeah i fucking think that blacks are inferior uh um, right but he said, the thing I love about my friend, the guy, is that he fucking validates me. He listens to me. He mm 
He doesn't make me mm-hmm. feel like a fool. He doesn't make me feel like an idiot, but he listens to me. That's mm-hmm. and he invites him to fucking KKK rallies and they hang out and shit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. in a twisted kind of way, it, it makes it works. It, it just makes sense, man. Validating people, you know, humanizing them. Yeah, like it, it, but it's 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 more nuanced than that, you know. So you, mm-hmm. We can't just let every asshole in the door, you know. We have it's no, Nazis certainly not. And shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to protect yourself and uh, <laughs> stomp that shit out at the gate. You, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like weed, like weed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, um, there's like people, people who are most people are in the middle. You know, they're not crazy left or right, or you know, most oh, yeah. people aren't crazy. They just maybe have been a little bit misled, and they don't have a well-rounded experience of the world. And so if you invite them to your table, hear them out, and then ask them the right questions. I think that's a big one. If you hear people out and you ask them the right questions, so then they will discover the truth, almost yes. like remembering it. You know, And you I think that it. is, yeah, you can't really show someone the truth. You just have to invite Shame them to them. see it. Yeah, like you should be ashamed that you feel like that. It's like right. that's not effective. That I should be ashamed. I'm like, well, bitch, now nah, I want to. I want to double down. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah, I hate. Yeah, it's, when you it's ask very people... dangerous that we're shutting people out. That we're, you know, these people with these extreme mindsets because this is they're not going away. It's no, not going no, no. away. You it's can't just gonna magnify. Them. Oh yeah, if any, if Trump taught me anything, is that you know the people people were waiting for him. People were mm-hmm. waiting for somebody like that. And he, I, I was a fan of Trump before he was was president. I thought the guy was mm-hmm. pretty cool, you know. But and and I was I was willing to give him a chance. Um, but what I didn't like was he encouraged the divisiveness, and that really yeah. hurt. That hurt mm-hmm. me personally. I was like, dude, like I I was I'm a metalhead, dude. I used to go to mm-hmm. a lot of metal concerts, and when he won, and like. When I would go to a show, it got people were like more open about their animosity towards black people. So I was like, whoa, like metal, you know, was, was a cultural, like, was a very welcoming genre, but all of a sudden it wasn't. So I stopped going to shows um, around 2016 mm. uh, before COVID. And because I don't feel, I didn't feel safe. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's gotten better now, but at the start of it, man, I was getting looked. And people were like, mm. they were saying things. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, but you know, it was inevitable. They needed, they needed uh, people who were, you know, really racist needed that spokesperson to see that it was, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Right. Like, yeah, I can say the things that I want to say, you know. Yeah. So that is unfortunately what ended up happening. And uh, I think it kind of goes again, like what you were talking about. If, if we ship all these people out to a colony where the only perspectives they ever engage with is their own, it's only going to get worse. It, it, it'll get worse. They'll, they'll be sneak attacking. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like and they're, that is they're what happens. <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah. we see it happen with these echo chambers that kind of form kind of with these technological tools where uh, it's kind of like the dark side of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, like it allows us to engage yeah, with other perspectives but it also allows minority perspectives like to flourish 
yeah, like a, a like a super hardcore racist guy in the middle of Minnesota can can now suddenly, thanks to the power of technology, become best friends with some hardcore racist in in like the middle of Texas. You know, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise they never would have met. You know, so this guy would just yeah, he'd have this shit, but like he wouldn't have anyone to really bounce that idea off of and and have it accepted. You know, he'd have to go out yeah. into his real community interact with real people and be challenged and kind of the downside of some of these technological tools is that yeah they can isolate yeah with i'm not sure if you ever play xbox live um i stayed away from that shit (laughs) that shit i was i was big into gaming uh up Mm -hmm. until xbox live and brother it was it was like the the uh not eleven. It was a rude awakening back in the day. I was like, "What in the Damn. fucking hell?" And speaking of which, nine eleven was what was crazy. Was it was a, it was a tragedy, right? Huge tragedy. But I never, I'll never forget that feeling of unity mm-hmm. after nine eleven. You're probably, yeah. I'm not sure how old you were, but I was eighteen. Yeah, um, that's when I registered to vote and everything. After that shit happened, like I felt like an American. Like I didn't feel like a black man living in america i felt like an american mm-hmm. and everyone was so in solidarity like we were all just furious at these people for attacking us right and we were united man for, for the for, I, I never forget that feeling mm-hmm. of being united in hate <laughs> yeah <laughs> we were um, we wanted revenge but i felt like a minute an american man yeah i mean that is that's kind of the power of them, uh, like them as a concept. Yeah, like this enemy, like this. Yeah, you know, ooh, these these people attacked us, and like you know, we all got to bond together and get revenge. Yeah, um, but slowly yeah, everyone's back. everyone's on their own until uh, until it's time to fight something bigger than you. You know, yeah. you're not you're not going to fight a mammoth by yourself. No, no. no. <laughs> Um, we're all humans then like i need yeah, every yeah. human i can get hey brethren <laughs> fellow <laughs> fellow man <laughs> my fellow americans Yo. we need to unite to fight this mammoth <laughs> i was uh i was i think i was playing a game and uh some some creature attacked me and i was like like motherfucker we are earthlings we need to attack this thing together <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are mammals on this planet together like it's crazy how a crisis can really bring things into perspective of how connected we are mm-hmm. together. You know, an external crisis um, mm-hmm. can make I us put we, aside everything. Yeah. I think even at the very beginning of COVID when everyone was just scared shitless and we didn't know what was going on, I think we saw a hint of that. Like oh, that yeah. first couple of weeks, like I remember that's when I lost six months of shows Uh, I lost my job. I didn't get unemployment. So I went on Twitch and people were fucking tipping me like crazy just because they wanted. And and I mean, people were just the love and the kindness was it was the it was the only thing that was the only thing that was there. Like it was all just love and kindness kind of because of the fear. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, you, we were again. Kind, kind, yeah, kind of like the. Uh, uh, I want to say that, but then I, I saw the other side of it. I saw the hoarding and the fear, driving people right. to be more, a little more extreme and selfish. Yeah, um, that was. 
I was worried about that with folks because um, I was like, you know, people who aren't prepared, the, th- the first thing they do is like, all right, I got to go, you know, steal some shit. <laughs> I got to go attack true. people. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And I mean, I'm I'm sure both both things happened, especially in that first couple months. I'm sure, like you said, with all the hoarding and stuff. So, yeah, it was. Yeah. Mankind really showed, you know, their true colors. Mm hmm. That's, That's kind like of with, what Sumo Bay was about. <laughs> Sumo Bay was about that that uh that that voice, that um, irrational voice, that parent of paranoia. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of hits you sometimes. Like you know, it, it, it affects all of us. You know, mm-hmm. when a tornado's like, do I have enough? To, you know, water? Uh, maybe I should stock up on an, an extra sixty four bottles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's I, only there's only one left. Maybe I should buy yeah. them all. You yeah, know, but it's like, you know, it's it, it, being a, you know, uh, I would say it's being being a human is so interesting because we don't we don't really get an instruction manual. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, there's no rule book. No, mm-hmm. like you you can eat enough food, but you can eat too much food. But you yeah. <laughs> don't eat bad food. You don't yeah. eat too little food. You know, but it's I don't know, man. This I've lost what I my thought <laughs> yeah I forgot too but yeah I mean we just we go we pilot this meat suit for 80 years and we don't even know what the, where the controls are <laughs> it takes I feel like this seems to have kind of been a thread with a lot of people that I know I feel like a lot of people sort of start to figure shit out around like 24 oh, yeah. 25 years old is like really when shit and maybe it's just men. Maybe girls figure it out sooner. But pretty okay. much all the dudes I know, like suddenly were like, "Oh, shit!" <laughs> like right no, around twenty-five. <laughs> no, I I have a theory that yeah, like we figure it. We have to figure it out by twenty-four, twenty-five. Otherwise, we end up in the twenty-seven club. <laughs> That's true. That you, makes a lot of if sense. You make it, if you make it past that, then I feel like as men, really, we don't wake up until 35 Probably i think not. i think because we we think that everything's if we make it past the 27 we we kind of feel invincible mm-hmm. we kind of feel invincible like our resources are infinite like like you're almost at like peak. a kid yeah you, you're at the peak you you know you've yeah. conquered childhood you've conquered adolescence you conquered um your, your, your early adulthood so now it's like oh i, I got it figured out but 35 you feel that the clock is ticking because now you're you're closer to 60 than you are 17. Right. So at 35, you feel the clock is ticking now. Well, for me, it was. I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't own anything. So I was like, I gotta buy a house, I gotta buy a car, and I I gotta get you know secured for the for the long winter of, of old age. Yeah. So that's when it hit me and I started really being proactive. Um being more mindful of how I spent my time and my resources. Um, yeah. That's when I was like, you know, I'm going to go harder at work, but that's when, you know, the shit hit the fan when I was like 37, 38, I was like, no, this isn't the right way. Uh, right. Revise what I'm doing. And that's when I pivoted and went into music when I was like 37, 38. So yeah. 40, I feel like is when men should have it, have that, that, vision of all right this is who i am for the rest of my life um not that i'm inflexible right but, but you have a map at least that you can yeah. start to follow 
I'm not unsure about myself. Like when right. you're 20s, you're kind of unsure. Like, um, you know, oh, I don't know what I, you know, will I be a success? Will I be a fake? No. Now at 40, I like, I know. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I, I say right. it as a, as a video game. I've, I've completed the story mode. Story. I've had the kids. <laughs> I've made the mistakes. I've done the things. I've, I've I healed. So at 40, it's a new game plus. Now I get to do all the side missions. Now I get to do all of the, the, um, the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah, I, I mean, and that kind of resonates with me. Like, I'm gonna turn 29 this coming this year in a couple months, and uh, I feel like I'm just now even discovering like the slightest idea of like who and what I am and where I'm heading. Like, really, it's still very foggy and hazy, but oh, like, yeah, I no. feel like I finally have figured out that there is something there. There's, I think there's it's a chemical. Me i think it's a structural Maybe. part of your brain that might that's developing yeah yeah thir- i don't know how it, at thir- it, under 30 i wasn't doing what you're doing man like that the things that you're doing that I, when i met you i was like this motherfucker's ahead of his you're you're ahead you are i know you beat yourself up and you think you're a failure but dude you are so fucking far ahead like i wish i was doing these things at 29 no dude i was i was like i said i was a parent i was i was a hermit and mm-hmm. but you're setting yourself up and you're making this your normal. This is your normal, like just these entrepreneurial things, your, your, your art, your focus on so many different things. That is amazing at this age. And I, I'm not trying to be condescending. Uh, just it amazes me, dude. And that's what makes me want to be your friend, you know, because you're just going to get better. As you age, you, you made it past the 27 club. You stopped yeah. drinking. Like, yeah. What's the likelihood of you like? becoming an alcoholic now right no you're Bas- not you're not gonna zero <laughs> basically yeah that's true it's uh i, I escaped you're, the quicksand yeah you're in that, escape velocity now yeah you you can't you you can't not succeed now like that's true your success is inevitable because I'm, of the i'm things starting to believe that <laughs> like like literally like within the last like six months like I'm finally starting to believe that, yeah, like there's hope. It's inevitable, man. Like yeah. you say, you, you say you want to go back to school. I like this motherfuckers figured it out. <laughs> yeah. you, you said that I was like, I think when people voluntarily want to educate themselves, that is a phenomenal sign when yeah. people voluntarily. So, cause most people, we go to school because, you know, well, I'm going to go to school cause I got to get a better job because I yeah. got to, no, when you want to go to school to educate yourself voluntarily, mm-hmm. that that's something else, man. Yeah, I've been I've been knocking around an idea in my head, and I call it I call it the pyramid of self conquest. Although it might turn into a cube, but um, <laughs> uh, it's because I think it really has four sides. But probably a circle. <laughs> it's yeah, that you're actually probably right about that. Um, but yeah, like I've thought of these like four anchor points where it's like physical, emotional, like mental and spiritual. You know, these four kind of planes of self-conquest where you, you literally you're conquering what I call I call it the wilderness, like out out beyond you. That's the wilderness. OK. And you got to go out. You you push out into that and various different ways you push out into that you conquer it you expand your territory and so like physically that's like it's like getting out there and and doing some fucking exercise you know it's very easy 
to just not push yourself physically, especially today, and oh, yeah. basically just turn into a donut on the couch. Um, yeah, thanks to Netflix, I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do push ups, I, I got the new season of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I mean, it doesn't, I don't think it takes much to like push yourself physically, you know, go on walks, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a physical job and I kind of selected for that. Uh, I find that I find that I have a fuller life when I push myself physically, even just in small ways, because you're either expanding or you're shrinking. And so when I'm out and I'm conquering that wilderness, you know, physically, you know, emotionally, when I am learning to control my reactions when I feel things and to allow signals to be signals, like to allow anger and pain to be signals and not to take over. Like they, they don't need, they don't have to sit in the driver's seat. They're signals. They tell me there's something to think about here. You know, yeah. you're and at a decision that's good that you don't run away from them or you try to fight them. That's, I think that's the, the key. The key element is that, you recognize these as just natural. This is when I realized that my anxiety was actually a self, a, a form of self love that it changed. It changed everything. I was like, it's just my, it's just my body. It's me. Just, just like, look, I fucking love you. I want you mm -hmm. to live. Like I want you to have yeah. the best. I, that's the anxiety. Usually. Yeah. And it's about, I guess, balancing that with, that risk-taking voice in you like <laughs> yeah you got, <laughs> yeah and so and like if you balance those things like because the risk taker also loves you yes yes and wants something better for you and the anxiety parts of part of you doesn't want you to yeah. get tetanus <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Want you to go broke buying that guitar <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and so you gotta and that's i think where wisdom comes in and balance you know balancing the, those two that duality of you know risk and reward and you know taking care of yourself anxiety and yeah. i think it's very hard and um yeah and it's crazy that you know we are so hard on ourselves when we we're younger because we, we don't have instruction manuals we don't realize we don't know this no one told us this like oh the reason why you have anxiety is because of this the reason why you feel like that no no you you figured it out we've had to figure this out like mm -hmm. on our own and reading books like if you would have gave a, a, a 15 year old chris marcus aurelius like here read this this to tell you you'd have been like no no <laughs> i'm gonna go shit, play pokemon like, <laughs> yeah 15 i like this shit is gay like get this yeah out yeah exactly face. that's mm -hmm. <laughs> read read the books what pussy yeah. does that <laughs> but yeah in the balance as you grow older and in the wisdom um i think i not, i don't think i'm wise i don't think i'm any wiser than i was um but i like to think that i'm more patient yeah because that's the thing that I, every night that I, when i say my prayers i ask for strength wisdom courage and patience patience mm -hmm. is probably my has been my biggest um uh weakness uh, just not having enough patience, you know, mm -hmm. just being impatient is, and I think we all fall for that because of the way things are. We just, we, I want to get some food. Let me go to McDonald's. You know, I, I don't mm -hmm. have to go and, and slay a rabbit and then cook it. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I'll be right back. I gotta go grab dinner. No, grab. Give me that bow and you know, go hunt yeah. some shit down. It takes hours. You know. Yeah, I'll no, see you a couple, go in a couple days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, mankind get... <laughs> back in the day, we didn't do shit in the winter. We were just we sat around in the house and hoped that our uh, <laughs> summer harvest will get us through. <laughs> yeah, I hope I don't die in the snow this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I that. yeah, we were at the mercy of, but now no, we don't. That's taken care of. Right, that's taken care of. Mm -hmm. Food's taken care of. So maybe that's why we have all this pent up energy. Oh, absolutely. Because um, modern life, I think, is not challenging enough for the skills that we have evolved or that have been given to us you know yeah. that same creativity and i mean you see it in all sorts of you know ancient traditions and stuff like that you know being imbued like we being made in the image of a creator i don't think that means that god has balls i think that means that we are creative just like you know the creative mind yeah that made us and so how we express that you know as cavemen or whatever you know we had to solve existential problems every day as far as like staying alive and our creativity kept us alive now yeah again it almost like that idea of hell like hell could maybe just be a place that's so comfortable that you don't want to grow and yeah. you just live a poisonous lifestyle that slowly makes you miserable as you, you know, because of your, because we lack patience. So we chase instant yeah. gratification of small amounts of dopamine and you know, cheap yeah. shitty stuff that makes us feel good for a few seconds that we don't have to fight yeah. for. And like we never go out there and slay the big mammoth and bring it home and feed our family. You know, we never build like a house for our children, you know, stuff like that. You know, we just yeah, we're finish well, another think, series. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, and but it's it's like we said, it's that that um, quest for perfection. You know, mm -hmm. we we can't be perfect, but we we're trying. Like we we know these different things. That's why you and I this what we do the things that we do. Like, what's funny is um, I don't. I'm a I'm a gamer, right? I love playing video mm -hmm. games. But what's funny is that when I have free time, like Christmas break or whatever, I don't touch them. Mm -hmm. When I was when I didn't have that job last year, uh, when I was when I was fired for a month, I didn't touch a video game for for the entire time. Mm -hmm. I was creating. I was doing. I was create. I was right. just really. I was being. I had time to be myself. Like when I when I'm working. When I get off work and I don't have time to do. Sh I I get you in a video escape. game as, mm -hmm. and, I, and I escape. But I don't touch that shit when I'm off. I I want to spend every single second creating. Like my girlfriend right. tell you because I I've, I've been in this room like recording shit and just mm -hmm. doing things. Um, so. It comes back to this, to the jobs, man. I think yeah. that is because it's such a commitment, and our participation is required. Like we have to participate because we we won't have money. We need money to <laughs> to, yeah. live, to live. 
Um, but that's that's been my all-consuming um, uh, conquest. Now is how to how to make my crafts and my craft um, sustainable. How can it make mm-hmm. it sustain me? Like I don't want to become a, a millionaire just for the sake of becoming a millionaire. I want to make enough money where I can like okay, I don't have to go to this job. I can just right. I got I have money that is paying for my mortgage, is paying for my car, whatever. Just once I have that, I'll man, I'll I'll be so free. I feel like and yeah, the gears get my, turning. Yeah, and, it, and instead and, of instead of it being like a like oh you can't do this, it's how can I do this? That's yeah. And so we apply those creative muscles to a problem, and I, I think it gets us out of that rut. That rut yeah. of, of misery Ugh. that so many people are in. But We're all burnt for, out. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't Everyone's matter what the out. job is. No. Every no, job everyone. sucks. Yep, yep. <laughs> that hit that hit me uh last year. And I had I had four jobs last year. Yeah. Every job I went to, I fucking hate. But the job I'm at now, I like. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I'm in child welfare. Um, I like the people that I work with. But anyway, yeah, jobs fucking suck, man. Job, <laughs> yeah. Jobs. When I when I was at the hospital and I would, when doctors find out I play guitar like that they would light up they would yeah. light the fuck up they're like you play guitar what kind of guitar do you have you know that that showed me that that's where their their true love was they didn't mm-hmm. like being doctors you know it, it pays the bills it's a good it's a cushy job but they like guitars like you would see people light the fuck up mm-hmm. you know that and that's what you should chase is that thing that it makes you just like you can't shut the fuck up about it. Like my girlfriend to tell you, like I can't shut the fuck up about like the book, the music, the yeah, the different things. Like I can't, I can't shut up about it. Like you look at my social media, that's all I'm talking about. I'm making videos of me playing guitar because I fucking love it. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, yeah, just allowing yourself to just dive in and to be creative. You know, you unlock. I mean, I think there's really just unlimited joy right on the other side of that valley of, of doubt that you have to go through yeah, you know, before you give doubt. yourself permission to be a creator, to fail at stuff, you yeah. know, because then it, it goes back to just reframing shit. Like it's not failure. It's just now you, you're playing a different game. You're playing the game of figuring out how to make my creative shit work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's the part. That's the, and, um, if I could figure that out, man, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, like if I could, I listened to that book you sent me about uh, uh, Ari, right? Like I, I, Ari I, gotta, I really gotta revisit that and um, go through it again because um, mm-hmm. I remember there was some really good points. Yeah, and, I mean, you just did the LLC thing. Yeah, I did that. Good. Yeah, and I got the business credit, and I'm just trying to just I'm gearing up because I don't want it to be just a I hate the Shia LaBeouf like don't let your dreams just be dreams, but right, right, like it takes action. It takes mm-hmm. fucking action. So I know that I'm going to cross that threshold where I got have to just jump mm-hmm. and have faith that it's going to work out. I'm not there yet. <laughs> fucking, I ain't leaving my job now, but right in the near future, and, it's, it's going to happen. I want to have the opportunity to, to, all right, this is it. With it. Whether it's with pilot Jones, whether my actual tree stuff is, is target likes it and they want me to make songs. Right whatever but yeah some kind of combination success is guaranteed 
and it's inevitable. Like I said, it is for you. It's inevitable. I know that success for me is it's inevitable, man. Like I can't, I can't. I'm doing the things like, and I can't not do them. I don't know yeah. how to not. There's more repercussions if I stop making music. It, the darkness creeps in again. You know, starts to fester. You know, if I'm not basically almost every day doing for me now it's really especially in the writing and still some of the music like more i'm more drawn to the to writing songs now than before you know i haven't performed in quite a while if you like if you like it man just fucking lean into it yeah and uh like if i don't connect with my creativity if i don't let it bloom it really does it just sours yeah and uh but again also i think it comes into like being being willing to be patient. And that is, that has been like the biggest thing for me this year too. Tell me about it. Is learning. Yeah. Cause I especially like playing video games and stuff like that. I feel like that's part of the appeal is like, I can go get good at this video game and like get, you know, kind of get this success in a video game, you know, real easy. And so it's tempting to do that. And then we kind of train ourselves to uh, yeah. get like quick, easy success. And so then when we lean into something like music, writing, like all these creative things that you and I now are engaged in, like you're going to fall flat on your face so much. But then you kind of yeah. realize that that's like part of the, that's part of the fun. It, you know what? <laughs> I, that's why I tell folks that I'm part of the, uh, the Nintendo generation um, because we're, we were crafted to thrive under, under, uh, by failure, through fair, through failure, like, Think of Super Mario and Mega Man. Yeah. Uh, I played another game called Brutal. Hollow Knight. I played it. You ever played Hollow Knight? I haven't. It's too hard. <laughs> it's, it's in Cuphead. Yeah. What <laughs> the most beautiful. I mean, I beat both of those and I, I mastered them. Not mastered, but I got through them and I got, you know, the achievements and shit like that. Mm -hmm. The best, the most beautiful thing about those games is that it shows you that you're capable of overcoming know the challenges if you just mm -hmm. stay consistent if you stay consistent and stay calm if you stay consistent you can overcome they don't because it's not unfair it's unfair because of how strong the other guys are but they're defeatable like mm -hmm. it's possible like they can be defeated because mm -hmm. you've done it before that's what and mm -hmm. that's what and that's where the rush comes in it's like i've beaten all of these guys before i know i can beat this guy but eventually exactly. I did give up. I gave up on the Coliseum in, in, in Hollow Knight. I was like, nah, I'm good. It's a, it's a boss rush. And I'm like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> but those games gave me patience and reminded me of the kid I used to be. Right. Because that kid would get frustrated at Mario, would get frustrated at Mega Man. Like, fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, I died. I got to start all the way over. And then mm -hmm. I would, maybe not in the same day, but the next day I would come back and I would play it again. And I would get a little further and like, ah, fuck. But right. the next day I would come back. I get a little further. Fuck. Next day I'll come back. And before I knew it, I got these skills. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm just, but if I had just given up, you know, and played another, another game, you know, I never really challenged myself and maybe I would have been happier. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, Maybe I would have been happier just going to Tecmo Bowl or football. Going, yeah, Tetris. <laughs> Not whatever. Tetris. I'm talking about something that's like a sports game where, like, oh yeah, <laughs> much lower risk. Um, Madden. I feel like you know we have a different calling. Um, mm -hmm. 
I like I like being I don't want to say I like being challenged, but I, I do love growing. I love mm-hmm. I started getting tattoos a few years ago. And the best part about tattoos is for me is the healing process. Mm. I hate getting tattoos. I'm I hate pain, man. It's crazy. This <laughs> shit hurts, man. Um, but what I love about it is the day after, uh, and I look at my my tattoo and it's I'm like, wow, that's cool. I like I did that. I sat through that and you know, and it starts healing up and it, it shows I'm capable of healing. Mm-hmm. And I love that we can heal, we can become better mm. people. Uh, we're not broken. Um, so that's the I, thing. Yeah, I think that can be a great source of courage. Like, yeah. I can heal. I know I can, I can heal. Yeah. Especially once you prove it to yourself once, twice. It only takes a handful of times before you start to realize, dude, I can heal. I, after a certain point, you kind of realize, like, I'm a lot tougher than I thought I was. That's, and that's it. I'm capable of so much more than I gave myself credit for. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. And, and that's something that I think is in us when we're a kid, you know, playing a game, you know. Oh, yeah. If, if you get your ass kicked in a video game, you just come back to it. You know, it's yeah. not like, oh, I am a failure and a loser because I lost this game. But then when we're adults and we try to make a, you know, we try to make a creative thing work, or even we just think about it and we bring it up at the bar and then somebody's like, you're an idiot and you can't go be a musician or your parents. You're too old. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. What's funny I mean, is, yeah, I'm fucking, like I said, I'm 40, man. And, and uh, I, I don't see myself, you know, going, unless I go viral with something or something, some shit, but I, I can see myself going into another lane. Mm-hmm. I, I see myself veering, like you said about how you like writing lyrics versus performing. Mm-hmm. you wouldn't have known that if you hadn't done the thing in the first place exactly so I was like, let me just do the, these different things let me just see what all right, all right i'm starting to find my niche i like doing this and then once i you know or i could segue into something completely unexpected but i won't know if i'm not out there putting myself out there and and if i know if i ask five people what do you think about me i know that five of those people are going to say like you're a musician right you're you're a good musician. I know that mm-hmm. people are going to say that, and like that. That's all I want, man. Like, I, that's and that was in you. That was in you all along. I was, but I was scared for 15 years. I never went outside. I played guitar in my fucking bedroom, right? Um, and then I didn't have the courage until you know 19, 2019, and I was like, let me get out there. And now, like I said, I'm a I'm a musician. I'm a I'm a good musician. And yeah. It's crazy that I can even say that. I just I never said that out loud. Well, right? No, you are a super talent. I mean, me and all my musician friends, everyone, like we've all we watched you pick up a bass guitar for the first time, and then bloom into a fucking badass bass player, bro. And it goes far beyond that. You know, you're yeah. multi-talented now, and you have a shitload of performance experience. Like you. You're a badass musician, bro. Yeah, like, there's no yep. other way to put it. Well, if, you know, if I hadn't run into you too, man, I, I don't think I would, I would be here because I didn't pick up the bass till, like you say, I, I need a bass player. I'm like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> I still, I still watch that first video of us. I'm not sure if you have it of us playing together. Uh, uh, I'm playing bass. Was it at Dolan's? At no, at your fucking bedroom. <laughs> oh no, I don't know. 
I got it. I, I, um, I got it. I think it's on Facebook somewhere. I sent it to you, but it's the first time I'm like, you, I'm, I can see myself playing bass guitar and I, I'm playing oh, like I, shit. I do remember that. It, it was Bad Moon Rising or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. I don't even think I had a bed at the time. <laughs> you, you had a nice ass computer. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, that, that, like I said, put myself out there. I would have never ended up, you know, another man's bedroom playing bass guitar for <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean you know it's like you put yourself out there to just go experience new shit like go and that's what like em- embracing that creative side you know diving into that creative zone and that was something that matt and i did for each other too you know same same thing like i went hung out at his house like he had like a he was living in a really shitty house down like just north of ebor and like we were just in there like he was producing an audacity uh (laughs) his stuff like back then we were like wow that's really cool but then compared to what he can do now you know it was like man but still like the dream was there and we gave each other permission to dream yeah. And I think that's what we can do for each other. And what's, I, what's some advice that you would, if you could go back to 15 year old, 16 year old Chris, like what's some advice that you would give yourself? I've thought like, about this quite a bit. Um, that he would listen to. <laughs> right. I think one of the first things that I would say is, uh, I would say wait for college. I wouldn't go straight to college. Like I went like straight out of high school. I went to college. What you're supposed to do. Right. I think if I could go back, I would have waited at least two years to go to college. I would have gone out straight out, got a job at a restaurant or a grocery store, somewhere, just somewhere, started picking up skills because practical. Yeah, and for, because really working at Publix back in 2016, like really getting out there in the shit. Like yeah. I had worked, I had worked like under the table as like a handyman and stuff for years. But the first time that I really got in the shit was when I really got like a, a really deep appreciation for business. Actually, yeah, uh, was stocking groceries, and like this was after I had been, in, I had already gotten a degree. And I had no idea that I actually loved business. So I went and I got a degree in some shit. Like I just picked shit. (laughs) Yeah. And that's uh, that's crazy. Same thing. And by kind of fostering that love for business is where I kind of fell into like creativity because I was like, okay, I want to, I want to own a business. That's what I want to do. But how do I do that? And so that's where I got into music in the first place. I was like, I don't know how to do anything, but I can play guitar. Can I turn this into a business? And turns out you can. <laughs> you told you totally can. And yeah. There's so many different uh, avenues that you can take with that. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where, you know, Ari Herstan goes into it in the book. You know, you don't have to look at it as like, oh, if I, if I touch a guitar, I have to become Post Malone. Like, yeah, yeah. That's not how it is. 
there's so many avenues to take what you love and essentially play the game of figuring out what combination of things that you love is going to be the thing that can detach you from like one monolithic stream of income. <laughs> yeah. My, like my day job. <laughs> yeah. My, my J O B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I, now, yeah. My, um, like that, that, that dream to me of having a 401k and all that retirement is that in social security, that's all a lot of, not lie, but that's not a viable, um, just, just having just that isn't, isn't a viable future for me. I, I don't see that as mm -hmm. being my strategy for, you know, go, growing, growing old. Yeah. Um, cause I know a lot of people are, they're just, well, the boomers, they, they, they kind of have it now like they have pensions they can tap out like oh i, right. I could just 65 and then i just you know I, i'm good to go for the rest of my life but you know i got 25 years to go like yeah the landscape is going to be totally different like and it's not even an option for like gen z no 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 they don't it's, it's not that future that that option isn't isn't going to be there mm -hmm. um so and i like i said i realized that 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 was it was like believing in Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like believing in Santa that I could um that I can retire and stop working and still live. <laughs> yeah. So now if I could go back, I would and teach myself anything, it would be, you know, don't believe in that. Figure out a mm -hmm. way to invest in yourself and don't go into debt. Like if I wasn't in debt, oh, I feel like huge. I could be a millionaire. I feel like yeah. I, I would be a, a millionaire already if I knew the trap of debt. Yeah. And, um, if I knew that trap, I, I, I want to instill that in my kids. Like, you know, you don't have to go to a $175,000 school to be a successful right. person in life. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, the, the, the music What's funny is as a, everybody said, I didn't like costumes as a kid. I didn't like music either, man. <laughs> when uh, I was younger, I hated I hated music class. We had to play the clarinet and shit. I hated music. Right. Um, but it wasn't until I was, I was in high school and I saw the, the the marching band and I saw them perform. And then I was like, I want to be a part of that. That yeah. right there, the performing aspect, that that what got me. Uh, that's what got What'd me. What'd you play? Trumpet. And uh, I was late. I was late. Most of the kids in, in in high school marching band started in elementary, were in marching band middle school. So by the time they were in high school, they had like five or six years under their belt. I started beginning band in ninth grade. So I was behind by years. But yeah. I was so fucking, I was laser focused on mm -hmm. becoming the best trumpet player I could be. And I was shit. I was terrible. <laughs> I, was, I was terrible. <laughs> but my heart was in the right place. I was a terrible musician. Right. And I never learned the school song my whole four years. But I, <laughs> you couldn't tell because I, the way I, when I performed, it was just there. I faked it. I right. Fluffed it. But mm -hmm. that taught me that it's about just having that passion, that drive, man. You can, you can achieve it, you know, by f what is it? Fake it till you make it. Yeah, you know, that's, and that's what I did. And eventually, you know, people just like, "Oh, you're just a you're a great trumpet player." Like, oh, I'm shit. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm in third chair for fucking five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I managed to get into my own chair. I switched 
from alto saxophone to baritone saxophone so i was the only one so then i was first chair <laughs> Shit, see, yeah, you, see, you made your way yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's about like you said finding what you love and then just i love the word leading into um just really leaning into the things that you love and uh the people that you love and mm -hmm. uh and the company that you keep is is, is tremendous man um you know, we think that because we have family members that we have, we're obligated and we get tied to these obligations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, again, it's a construct, you know, people don't, you don't, you don't really have to, you know, do these things and, and put up with these people. Um, kind of like we do with our jobs. Right. Uh, but, you know, we can not force them to respect who we are, but we damn sure can set boundaries and expectations. And um, I love how supportive your mother is. Oh like, my God, she's a saint, dude. Like I said, as long as my mom's proud of me, I'm good. Yeah, but your your mom fucking loves Chris Fritz, man. Oh, she man. loves Chris Fritz. I never yeah. forget uh, that show we put together, put on together, and she was there. She was the biggest fucking fan, and I thought that was the most beautiful fucking thing, man. Yeah, I took it for granted for so long. That's what kids. It's do. easy. It's easy. Yeah. My, you know, my my dad and my brother they, they've never seen me perform. Right. I've been at this shit for years. They, the motherfucking assholes still haven't seen me perform. Yeah, that's a. I don't think my dad ever saw me perform. Yeah, but my uh, my mom yeah. though. My mom, yeah, my mom should be there. My mom, yeah. she will fucking be there. So you know what? My mom needs. That's my, my biggest fan. I got to be there for mom. <laughs> yeah. No, it's you know I realized especially after my dad had that stroke and uh, you know I moved back and started to to really become friends with my mom uh like by then i had already pretty much had a good idea of how lucky i was but as i've now been able to kind of enter the position of helping my mom like blossom as an as a creative individual you know she's been getting into writing again okay uh you know again i it just reminds me how lucky i am that she did that for me when like my my immediate family was very hostile to kind of any sort of creative pursuit oh yeah uh, so not not only just like ignoring it but just very 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 against it but my mom time and time again was she was always there always encouraging uh and she's been my biggest fan forever. And if it wasn't for her, I I never would have ever had the courage to attempt anything creative. And I'd still be, you know, trapped in a toxic cycle, uh, you know, of where I was, you know, back in my early twenties, you know, headed straight for the twenty seven club, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No. That you know, it's that's that it's love, man. That that is. That's what true love is, man. That unconditional uh, love for another human being, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it amazes me how much you know my mother really, you know, loves me, and um, like and then like I said, that that's how it's when you have that expectation and that uh, not expectation, but that um, that support mm -hmm. that sets your normal, that sets yeah. your your baseline, and um, you you can come from a different place. Because lots of folks don't have that, man. I can imagine if I had an unsupportive mother or, 
right. you know, you hear these horror stories of people who hate their fucking mother. I'm like, I can't imagine what kind of person I would have been. Yeah. Um, who, who I would have turned out to be. Um, and like I said, my, my dad, the guy, my biological dad, my, I never call him my stepdad, but the, you know, my dad, mm-hmm. um, I, I never met, well, I met my, my biological years later, but he, he didn't have to be there. Right. He didn't have to be there, but he, he was there and, you know, I, I, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, you your dad much. that raised you, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad that raised me and he never, he never hinted it. He never treated me different. Uh, I never noticed it. And, but the, the fact that, you know, they, they did this for me. They did that for me. Um, it's, it's profound, man. It is, it is profound and humbling. So I get depressed sometimes too, but then I'm like, all right, let me count my blessings. And then I think about shit yeah, like that. Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. I think about shit like that. I'm like, fuck. Like, how can I be depressed? Like, these people did this thing for me. And I'm just, <laughs> you know, so. It's, it's just wild. like we said. Um, you you can't, like, you can only be depressed if you're, like, wallowing on thoughts of yourself. And yeah. you can't you can't be wrapped up in thoughts about yourself if you're too busy counting how blessed you are. That's that's an exercise that I, <laughs> I I've been doing that. I yeah. When I, and I really start to circle the drain of of self self doubt mm-hmm. and, and um yeah you're right it's just a pity party I realize and I don't want to trivialize you know people who are going through shit and right feel bad about the season but but when you just you stay in that spin cycle you know you you got to get yourself out you got to get yourself out you exactly. people can see positive affirmations all day and and live laugh love and bullshit like that but if you don't if you don't come from here you know there's nothing's going to sustain it you know you you can't rely on somebody else uh to make you feel loved um but you can appreciate the people that do that have loved you that have done Mm -hmm. these things for you and you know you can appreciate yourself you know and that's what gets me out of the funk is that i start counting my blessings i'm like all right my mom's still good My, my brother's good my son you know, he's making me proud. My daughter, she did that thing. Oh, I did that thing. This happened here. This is going. This is going good. And um, that if that helps me pull me out of the funk, man. Yeah, gratitude is like a handhold. Yeah, fuck. Where you yeah. can start climbing out of the pit. Definitely. That, oh, perfect analogy. I think it's uh, I think it's the most powerful thing. I think it's the most transformative force. I mean, I guess it's really because it's it comes from love. Like gratitude, I guess, is kind of like a, a type of love where you are reflecting on something and you're like, I love that this happened. Yeah. And then I think when we think we and it multiplies. So if we think about bad shit, we think about, man, you know what? This went wrong in the day. You start to multiply all the bad things and you start we to find more. Yeah. And you magnify your misery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You multiply it like, oh, I mean, I feel you feel even crappier. Like, oh, shit. And I shouldn't have said that thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I was eight, I fucking did this thing. And like, oh, God. But and you start again, you circling in the drain, zooming uh, in. Yeah. But it's when like, you think about the gratitude, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Pulls you right back out. Yeah. And yeah, that I mean, gratitude, patience and there was one other like big thing that we were talking oh, just i mean creativity you know creativity yeah being being creative um but yeah i think if i if i think about what order those things came in i think 
the creativity really came first. It was because through creativity, I started building myself. And by like, as I began to build myself, I started to realize that I was someone worth building up. Yeah. And so then I, then I discovered gratitude that was just sitting there inside me waiting to be discovered like waiting to be let out like let me out (laughs) you know i can change your life if you let me yeah yeah (laughs) no that's beautiful man i think yeah creativity is is a is a um is is the best way to yeah to start because it allows you to think outside of the box Mm -hmm. because if you think i want to say stupid people but unintelligent people aren't the most creative folks in the world they they, they can't really you know they can't solve their own problems linear it take they they can't you know not create creative and it nothing Mm -hmm. scares me more than an uncreative person um right because it's like oh man uh this person they can't really deviate from their the bad you know they have they have toxic masculinity they can't yeah they got it fixed you know in a way uh, a creative person can can approach things from a different perspective and um the only thing is like i said is for me sometimes it's a um the creativity has to be tamed a little bit because mm-hmm. i like i said i have the the health anxiety so my create creativity <laughs> is like well it could be a tumor well it could be this <laughs> <laughs> yeah you so, start creating uh problems that aren't even there yeah so. start manifesting <laughs> pain and in, in, in yeah thought. so it's yeah it's it's definitely a um i call it the the I call it the monkey brain is it the monkey right. brain lizard yeah, brain yeah. monkey brain mm-hmm. the monkey starts getting a little out of control and it's like ah like chill the fuck out yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> save me motherfucker <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, bro, this is uh, this has been super great. Very, yeah, uh, man. This, I feel like when I have conversations like this with you know, creative people, you know, I feel like I'm creating myself. You know, I'm making, I'm taming that wilderness. You know, yeah. expanding myself and you know, including you know, t- reaching out, you know, creating more human you know more us oh, yeah. you know there's there's more to love more to be grateful for basically so yeah i've really enjoyed this um so I let's do it again fire. soon I love, the, love the fire effect on you right now cozy campfire with you yeah, yeah. <laughs> fireside chats like uh yeah. like fdr yeah uh, no no I, no thanks man thanks for having me uh on this on the uh, podcast and you know, i really appreciate you dude you know you you really inspire me a lot and i just saying that to you know <laughs> gas you up but now I, pre- I appreciate you man yeah really no, it's you've been a really great friend for me too and it's i'm i'm blessed to have been able to have to have run into you when i did and to have kind of been able to foster this friendship remotely uh, basically creating stuff together yeah man I, i'm i'm really looking forward to you know what we do in the future man yeah really so, looking forward to it Let's do this again soon. All and, right. Uh, is there anything? Let's. Oh, let's talk some details. Uh, is there anything you want to announce? Like anything you're working on? We didn't even get into any of that stuff. We got oh, no, nice. went off the rails. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but any anything you want to announce, and then also let people know, like if they're listening, like where they can find you. Yeah. No. Um. Other than the book, I'm working on with you. Uh. What I've been doing is I'm trying to get a YouTube uh, channel going. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying making the uh, the videos of the playthroughs because that's that's what I used to learn how to play songs. I I 
watch YouTube videos. So uh, I don't see a lot of black guys doing it. So I was no. like, all right, let me let me cover some video games, some animes, a little bit of everything, but representing as you know a brother. Uh, so if folks want to you know check me out. I'm a actual tree, actual tree four five one uh, on YouTube. Uh, and I'm going to start moving into doing um, the gear reviews, just reviewing like different items such as bass guitars and just because I like to buy shit. That so was like, a great idea. Yeah. So whenever I buy shit, though, I'm always like, let me look up a review. Right. And then I, I see some some asshole at Guitar Center and the crappy <laughs> yeah. audio sucks, video sucks. And he's holding up a bass guitar like, whoa, sh- 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 it, it blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't understand what the fuck. It, yeah. <laughs> the only review online is this asshole. So I was like, mm-hmm. let me make some quality videos. But the barrier right now is uh, you're helping me overcome it. It's just just talking to a camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my that's the barrier. I'm scared of being online and recording myself. Yeah, bro. It's I've been dealing with the same stuff. Just that couple of podcast episodes I recorded last year yeah. gave me the courage to try this. Uh, doing some video chats recently, like with the camera off, has helped me. And then, like this will be the first episode, like interview that I publish. And okay. uh, like this, it's been super helpful. So if you want to get more practice chatting on camera, you're welcome back anytime. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. No, but that's it. Uh, just YouTube channel and uh, just follow me on social medias. Actual, actually, actual tree. I'm pretty sure you'll put something in the links and bios and you know, yeah, shit like that. <laughs> well, all right. Thank yeah. you, man. I really right. appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. All right. You take Talk care. Talk to you soon. All righty. Bye.